0: Where the loyal drums did beat, the loving English feet they walked all over us. And every single night, when me dad would come home tight, he'd invite the neighbours out with this chorus. Come on, ship like in tans come out and fight me like a man. Show you why how you won medals down in Flanders. And our healthy IRA made on like hell away. And lovely lines of Come, let us hear you tell how you slandered Great Parnell when you taught him a well and truly persecuted. What are the sneers and jeers that you loudly let us hear when our leaders of sixteen were executed? Sugar like and sand, out and fight me like a man. Show your wife how you one medals down in Flanders. And our the IRA, made you run like hell away. From the green and lovely lanes of Kilichandra. Come tell us how you slew them owl Arabs two by two. Like the Zulus, they had spears of bone and above. Or oh, bravely you faced one with your sixteen pound the gone And you frightened them I'm natives to the marrow Come out chill against Come out and fight me like a man Show you I tell you and let us down the flanders that are the array Major run like hell away From the green and lovely lanes up and chandra is coming fast and I think this day is near. When he's in traitor, he will run before us. And if there'll be a need, well our kids will say Godspeed with a verse of two of singing this fine chorus. Come out shake and tans. come out and fight me like a man. Show you I how you one little star of Flanders. Tell her how the IRA, made your own like tell away. From the green Like man, show you wife how you will down and tell her how the IRA made
1: your own like hell from the green and lovely lanes of Kill American base is burning in Iraq right now.
2: This is the Atomic Shawman's Sweat Lodge. He's controversial. Me, shut it down. Some say antisocial.
3: Hey, you guys are on a rock be making me want to fucking hang myself.
2: If there's a OSHA regulation, Do
3: he's doing exactly what the feds want you to He's violating it. This is totally not legal advice, but like ignore every law that is annoying for you.
2: The man I call windigo.
3: Offensive, shocking, racist, and most importantly, unfunny as hell. There's no humor or jokes other than black people bad, racism funny, slurs funny, etc. If you're 12 years old or under, maybe you'll find some enjoyment. If you're an adult, you'll
2: not find much here her milkers bring the boys to the yard but i'm gonna go out and get plastered tonight so that i can make a bunch of good decisions she has dank memes and weed and i can grab the link if you guys want it but she can aid your spiritual realm needs how many coincidences before it's mathematically impossible she's brandy and you're listening to shit and you're, you're letting your kids listen to it worship travis scott worship travis scott travis scott is amazing travis scott loves you Everything's travis scott travis scott world astro world this is the place to be blah 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 He's the resident sound hound. Have you ever seen a prolapsed anus before? <laughs> the audio wizarding the acoustic blizzard. Damn, fixed and post editing bitches. You can find him in luchador tights. I'm young and reckless, hell yeah. The man of a thousand sound bites. The content you post is just edgy banter on a cult topic. Give it up for Van Rollington. They're committing blood rituals for Trump
4: and for the white race. Ugh. <laughs>
2: The graphics guru
5: of digital visuals. Okay, so we're gonna move on to the meat and potatoes of this show. He puts
2: the in aesthetics.
5: And someone accused me of being a rabbi more times than I can count. The tribal chief himself. I just went in, shook the boss's hand, and he gave me the job. Klaus New House. It started off like very interesting and then it started getting really degenerate towards the end, you know.
2: He's the Super Saiyan fusion of Vladimir Putin and John Wayne.
1: This opens up whole broad spectrum of possibilities.
2: The cause and solution to the white Russian Kalua collusion.
1: Allegedly... It's Tehano-Ruski. There's a whole bunch of shit that can exist out there, just in the different vibrational sequences.
2: It's almost St. Paddy's Day. Which means we're gonna get white boy wasted this summer. This is the
3: Atomic Shaman Sweat Lodge. Oy a Russian. Shut it down.
2: So that was a
5: shout-out from one half of the duo of Dent and Old. They're a Scottish uh, YouTube performance page. They, they get drunk and they sing songs and talk about wrestling. So it was really cool to get shout-outs from them the other day. Yeah. On top of that, with current events, I guess Juicy Smollett was... Uh, Was it sentenced yesterday? And uh, he started schizo posting in real life. You got that clip, man?
4: Yeah, hold on one sec.
5: The way he started going off, it sounded like he's going to be Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, you know, because he's uh, related to Kamala Harris.
0: I could have said that I was guilty a long time ago. I am not suicidal.
4: I mean, he said some outrageous shit in the past, too. (laughs) They're just going to rape him. He'll be
3: fine. He's just going to get raped.
5: He's about to go to uh-huh. MAGA country for about 150 days.
3: I stuck my fist in the, the LGBTQ community. That's what he wants, man.
4: Yeah.
5: <laughs> On with <Karenna>.
3: he wants- <laughs> what is he what does he want? He wants the, the th- that MAGA. Oh, okay. <laughs> I
4: mean there's a bunch of things that Jesse Smollett wants.
6: And I want a little gay boy. <laughs>
5: that's <laughs> hell that's yeah that's definitely on the list oh god no so start things off their saint patty's day i got some weird news from uh ireland so garda have launched an investigation after two men carried a dead body into an irish post office in an apparent attempt to claim his pension the deceased pensioner was described in reports as being propped up by the men as they walked into the building and County Carlo on a Friday morning. So the Outlander series events began when the men entered the post office about 11.30 a.m. on a Friday and asked to collect the pension payment for the older man, the Irish Times reported. So he was refused and with staff informing him the pensioner would have to be present in order for the money to be handed over. So then the men returned soon after with two other men whom was in his 60s apparently being supported by the two others. Juggerman asked to be given his pension payment, so no cash was handed over, and the two men fled the scene, abandoning the man's body after a woman who had become suspicious raised alarm with a staff member. The deceased man is reported to have been well-known to the men who had been carrying his body. Now, the Irish police ruled out foul play over a corpse in a post office pension incident. Gardaí said they have been investigating all circumstances surrounding the unexplained death of an elderly male in the Carlo area.
3: Weekend at Patty's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so a,
5: a post-mortem will be conducted so a woman living beside the post office said her daughter saw the two men carrying the deceased man to the building she was leaving my house at the time said the man looked on well at his feet and was dragging along the ground said the woman who did not want to be named the mayor of carlo fiona Fail counselor ken more said absolutely shocked to hear the news i heard there was a commotion in the post office he he told the newspaper, if I go there all the time, it'd be a very busy post office. Try to yeah, me a queue at the door.
3: Oh, no. Yeah,
5: I was yeah. absolutely shocked to hear what happened. I cannot <laughs> believe we were going on something like that. Dude, it sounds in like I was just shocked. A local Finn councillor, counselor, Brain, echoed the myrrh name's words, saying, The whole town is in shock. He described the deceased as, a nice man by all counts, as someone who caused no offense to anyone. Brian said, the staff in the shop very shook up from it. I'd like to offer my sympathies to the man's family also. It's bizarre and an upsetting situation. Situation. <laughs> yeah,
7: that
3: shit's weird as fuck. Let's not get ourselves. What's it's a the good hell? way to start the show, oh, I I I'd say.
1: It's pretty normal for Irish folk. I know a lot of <laughs> Irish people. I mean, that's a that's fun line. Oh, amazing. So,
7: uh...
5: Harvard's Pride David Hogg tells people to find Russian soldiers on the social media sites like Tinder and sabotage him. But I doubt he's using Tinder. He's probably on Grinder, just like Roots Calhoun. So David Hogg oh, thinks bullies. that people should spend more time working to find Russian soldiers on social media and less time tweeting about what is happening in Ukraine. Apparently the boy genius wants people to sabotage them online on these sites like Tinder and Grinder. Wow, it sounds very bullyish.
1: Not a bully is wow. a
3: bully. Grindr's banned in Russia.
5: It's also banned in China.
3: Thank God.
5: So a Wisconsin woman was charged no. on Tuesday for decapitating a Green Bay resident after she got high on meth and had sex with him. Oh, Taylor wow. Shabizness, that's her name, was arrested and charged for first-degree intentional homicide, a corpse, and third-degree sexual assault. The 24-year-old female reportedly committed the crime on February 23rd after she smoked methamphetamines with the male victim at his home. Following the investigation Sounds of right. controlled substances, the duo engaged in sexual intercourse using a chain as a prop. Shibusiness choked the male victim with a chain and later strangled him to death. Hmm. Uh, Shibusiness asked detectives if they knew what it was like to love something so much you kill it. Criminal complaints state that Shibusiness then dismembered the man with a bread knife and other tools. Police inspecting the home found the victim's head in a bucket and other parts elsewhere. And I've got a picture of her that I'm going to pop up real quick on the screen. So guys, oh, would you smash pass or do you think you can save her? No,
3: oh, boys. It's just typical Florida <laughs> shit. Let's see.
5: No, it's not Florida. It's Wisconsin.
3: Uh, come on. Where is it? Yeah, you should be seeing it. Hold on. I'm, I'm looking.
5: I don't see it. yet.
3: I don't see it. Wrong. Well,
5: the, the, wrong the guys cam. on
3: YouTube can see
5: it. Not, not you guys. Oh,
4: okay.
3: Oh, oh right. I was gonna say, damn, bro. I wanna, I wanna see. I still have to watch the show back without, without
4: looking I can say smash you know I'm, I'm, <laughs> no. crazy, oh, I mean, a
3: crazy oh, woman. oh no she's got the she's got the crazy Italian slash hispanic girl haircut don't do it no oh, god oh don't do it, no. No, don't do it.
7: <laughs>
5: so uh popular twitch streamers often find themselves embroiled in controversy as their audience calls them out on content they don't enjoy drama between streamers or specific decisions made live on stream so one Twitch content creators being accused of faking stream crashes to avoid playing Valorant with other women, for mysterious reasons. So the Twitch streamer is Jason Jason R as his uh, hashtag name or whatever you call it. Ruchowski mean, used to play Counter Strike Global Offensive professionally, but since moved on to Valorant for competitive play. Now, so Jason R is known for playing Valorant on Twitch to a large community. The fellow Valorant fan, Twitch ambassador Annie Dro, has taken a Twitter, expressing her frustration with his choices. According to Dro, Jason R has avoided over 50 women, pretending his stream keeps crashing. Instead of addressing the controversy, he continues to make excuses. Jason R has repeatedly stated live on stream he didn't hear anyone in the lobbies and entered before being booted from the game, inferring that he is unaware who he was in the lobby with prior to the regular crashes. It's true, my game crashed, my internet crashed, my stream crashed, said Jason R. Several expletives. During a recent Twitch stream, he continued to express that he didn't hear a woman in the lobby. It suggested his downtime is unrelated to Valorant, CSGO, or Overwatch team composition.
0: Huh. You do such a disservice when you lie about things like this.
3: thing is, is like, if they're bad, then why would you want to play with them? You know? Maybe they're just bad. It doesn't have to be because they're women. Maybe you just,
5: just want any kind of drama, and he's trying to avoid it, but it's still causing drama.
4: 100% factual. Uh. Yeah.
5: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, a 22-year-old Arizona man was arrested on bestiality charges after he posted a Phoenix Craigslist ad to find a horse to have sex with. The woman who is identified as trans and goes by legal name Donald Wailed was busted by the Maricopa County Sheriff's Office for placing an ad for someone who owns a horse on which to commit an act of fellatio so the post came in the the misconnection section was published on april 8th and it read i am 22 years old and i want to play with the male horse simple as that and if you have access to a male horse and can allow me access to the male horse then contact me please i will do something in return so another user on craigslist with interest in horses alerted maricopa sheriff office about the post and this led to an investigation which revealed the real identity of the person who posted it. In an undercover investigation. Serfs deputies contacted the suspect and engaged Weld in conversation. And the suspect stated the sex act he wished to perform on the horse. And agreed to meet the undercover detective on Tuesday. The spokesman for Maricopa County office said in a statement. So the sting operation was then carried out. An undercover officer went and borrowed a horse upon arrival. And uh, Weld was immediately arrested he confessed to placing the ad, and a search warrant was launched for his home. He also confessed to his crime and stated his intentions to consummate the act. And if you think Weld was arrested for the first crime, well, this is the fourth time Maricopa County Sheriff's Office took action against him for committing similar offenses in the past, showing how some truants could be really sick.
3: Like, homie, you're not in Tijuana anymore. You're in Maricopa. There's a difference.
5: I think they're just trying to prevent another Mr. Hands from happening.
3: Yes, that sounds right.
5: (laughs) So a box of human heads is still somewhere out there. The heads have been missing since the morning of March 3rd when they were taken from a medical van in Denver's Central Park neighborhood. Uh, Sister Station CBS Denver reports that the van was parked near 23rd and Syracuse Street when the crooks broke in and stole a dolly and snatched the box. So it's not clear if the thieves knew what they were taking or if they got a gruesome surprise leader that would have something to do if you intentionally stole it. And the box is blue and white and has the label exempt human specimen on it. And anyone who sees the box is asked to call the Denver Police Department right away. The heads were for medical research, according to police, and Science Care, the company who owns the box, issued the statement to CBS Denver. The heads were for medical research, according to police. Oh no, I already read that part. Uh, We were made aware of the theft immediately and have been working closely with the local Denver authorities to investigate this crime. We're doing everything we can to locate the stolen tissue and protect the community. Due to the sensitive nature of our business, there are several outgoing investigations, and we do not have further comment on this criminal matter. I mean... uh
3: I guess I would say on that is, like, maybe they just want some like really realistic Halloween decorations. I don't know. I don't know why the fuck you would steal that. It's kind of weird.
5: I don't know. What do you think you would do with a box of severed heads?
3: Decorate for Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Like, uh, oh, these, these look real.
5: Uh... So, uh, getting into our next subject, we're going to have Tejano Ruski give us an update on the Ukrainian crisis. But let's watch a couple of videos first to get us in the mood.
7: you guys see
3: it? Yep. Yep, we're good to go. Uh, I, think.
5: I don't know why the video share is not showing it on the Streamlabs right now. Oh, it's not? Okay. Oh,
7: huh.
5: That's really weird.
3: Uh. I guess Streamlabs is uh, anti-Russian now, too. Oh, there
5: we got it. Sorry about that. Yeah, we'll Здравствуйте. Я
6: русский оккупант. Это моя профессия. Так сложилось исторически. Когда-то я оккупировал Сибирь. Теперь там добывают нефть, оленьи, oh, еще много полезного. <coughs> там...
4: Remember no
5: Russians. Here we go. We'll start back over.
6: I'm a Russian occupant. This is my Когда-то я оккупировал Сибирь, теперь там добывают нефть, газ, алюминий и еще много полезного. Теперь там города с детскими садами и больницами. Теперь там нельзя продавать женщин завязанку с соболиной в и Меня попросили оттуда уйти. Теперь там добывают шпроты, а часть населения чистит унитазы Those в глөх
5: степях like, я купировал uh, Азию of,
6: uh, в голых построил каналы, заводы, skin. космодромы, больницы и стадионы. Там строили космические ракеты и самолёты, развивали промышленность, выращивали пшеницу и хлопок для всей страны. Меня попросили оттуда уйти. Теперь там развивают американские кредиты и выращивают коноплю, а часть населения уехала работать на стройки бывших Я оккупировал Украину. Вместе с украинцами я строил авиадвигатели, корабли, танки и автомобили. Меня попросили оттуда уйти. Теперь там разрушают все, что осталось от оккупанта. При этом там не строят ничего нового, кроме бесконечных майданов и диктатуры. Да, я оккупант. И я устал извиняться за это. Я оккупант по праву рождения. Я агрессор и актер боитесь. Это я терпел зверство польских интервентов во времена смуты. Но чем закончилась их интервенция? Это я сжу Москву, чтобы не отдать ее Наполеону. Но как закончил Наполеон? Это я сидел в окопе у Волоколамска, понимая, что нацистов удержать не получится. Где теперь те нацисты? Где их проклятый Гитлер? Ко мне домой приходили все, кому не лень. Турки, англичане, поляки, немцы, французы. Земли хватило на всех. По половиной метра на каждого поймите мне не нужна ваша лицемерная свобода мне не нужна ваша гнилая демократия мне чуждо все что вы называете западными ценностями у меня другие интересы вежливо предупреждаю в последний раз не нарывайтесь я строю мир я люблю мир но воевать я умею лучше всех с уважением русский оккупант.
4: Yeah, I feel the same way, Uncle
5: Adolf. I'd probably do the same.
3: Yes. Living I got this space. other I'm... video
5: where they were. It's some like uh, why we shouldn't be involved in Ukraine, like a long time ago when this came
6: out. Putin, види войска. Часто используешь этот хэштег? I think this one needs the same
5: treatment with subtitles.
3: Yep. Bottom one. Bottom. Yeah.
6: Путин, введи войска. Часто используешь этот хэштег, но если ты желаешь втянуть Россию в войну, ответь для себя. Готов ли ты наблюдать за этой войной, не глядя no, монитор, right глазами, Сидя в окопе, думаешь, до этого не дойдет? Ты ошибаешься. Спровоцировать ввод российских войск на Украину – это важнейшая задача для Соединенных Штатов. Одна из целей США – списать крах экономики Украины на Россию. Давайте будем реалистами. Украину не возьмут в состав Евросоюза, а кредиты МВФ не помогут экономике восстановиться. Но как только на Украину наша армия, Россию можно будет обвинить во всех бедах украинского народа. Ведь это из-за России перестали платить пенсии и пособия. Из-за России разрушена вся промышленность. Это Россия забрала украинцев их европейскую мечту. Конечно, можно выполнить требования диванных генералов и ввести войска. Но как это будет выглядеть? для мирового сообщества. А вот как? Россия вводит войска без резолюции ООН на территорию независимой Украины. Правительство Украины Россию об этом не просит, а то правительство, которое просит, пока что никем не признано. Для мирового сообщества это будет называться одним словом агрессия. А против агрессора Запад настроит весь мир. Станут ли союзники России поддерживать агрессора, даже если мы просто введём бесполётную зону над юго-востоком Украины американцы и НАТО могут ввести бесполетную зону уже для наших самолетов и ракет. Что, если они собьют российский самолет? Как на это реагировать? Бросить танковые колонны к Начать войну со всей Европой и штатами, плюс Канадой и Австралией? Так ведь именно этого США и добивается. Америка задыхается от колоссального госдолга, который превышает 17 триллионов долларов. Oh man, Remember the debt was that low? Now it's like 30 trillion банкротство компании. Oh, they're and like you know, to let us drown in debt. Which is like probably the best solution. Это триллионы сгоревших виртуальных денег. Госдолг обнулится. ВПК и экономика штатов получит новые заказы со всего мира. Это их шанс избежать неминуемое банкротство. России эта война не нужна. Оттягивание конфликта настолько укрепляет, но в Донбассе гибнут люди. И руководство России оказывается перед выбором. Плохое решение. Или очень плохое. Погибнут сотни, или погибнут сотни тысяч, а то и миллионы. Это страшный выбор. Но такова реальная геополитика. И когда ты в очередной раз заявляешь, что Путин слил юго-восток, задумайся, к чему ты толкаешь свою страну. Если ты не готов с оружием в руках защищать интересы своей страны, ходя в каком-то.
5: Hey, Hanaruski, you uh, you've got some insight on what's going on. Can you tell us about it? Is he still there?
4: Because...
5: Hello? Hey,
3: Oh, well. <laughs> Hell. He showed him in
5: chat. I don't know if he had to walk
3: away.
4: I think um, the propagandist got him.
3: Yeah, I was going to say...
1: You guys hear me? Okay, oh, okay. Yeah, 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 there you, you are. You. Uh, I don't know what happened there. I thought that was I th- on.
4: I think IT and Stacy got you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I guess I'll give you guys a little bit of history, so all the uh, all our listeners can understand the Ukrainian situation a bit more. Um, you guys hear me, right? Yeah, you're good. Okay, so uh, Ukraine has two his three types of mindsets. And uh, I'll take us back a little bit before World War II. And uh, most of Ukraine was basically Russian-conquered land. Uh, under the Russian Empire or Soviet Union, whenever Russians would conquer land, they would allocate that land to its state, to its Russian state of the process. And at that point, there was a whole bunch of Russians, a whole bunch of Ukrainians who ethnically identified as Russians, uh, lived on Ukraine, and also some Ukraine nationalists that were more proud of their Ukrainian language. Uh, nothing wrong with that. So, at the end of World War Two, Russia, um, beat be out Germany, uh, took a bunch of land from neighboring countries, and allocated it to its state of Ukraine again. Uh, that's what we call it now. It's got cities of Kivsk. Now, that's where this whole new of modern-day Ukrainians comes in. That region was never part of Ukraine. Uh, it always, like, balanced around between the regional superpowers. And ever since World War II, even a number of those folk fought for Hitler. And ever since World War II, with the help of Oxford education system, uh, that re- uh always had affinity for nazis and nazi parades on regular basis and everything else as in ukraine you have three types of people pro-russians or russians you have uh nationalist ukrainians uh which are proud of their language and you know that's normal and then you have the very radical part which is the west where the nazism comes from but not real ukrainians as far as history goes because that the origin was never ukraine till the end of world war Two. although they claim they're the biggest ukrainians at the point now i might sound a little bit biased but given the history that's how it breaks down oh we
5: got a tip from ken of the north thank you for the three dollars he writes so- thanks for the stream
3: Thanks for watching, sir. Makes it worthwhile.
1: <laughs> awesome, man.
3: Um, can continue, Teano. I'm interested in what you're saying. I want to hear.
1: So more. now I'm going to skip forward a little bit. Now that we know who lives in Ukraine, um, few years, mm-hmm. starred five star NATO general. Uh, right. He came and uh, he made a public statement how Pentagon had a whole series, a list of countries to overthrow. And some of those countries, including Libya and a couple others, eventually ending up with encircling of China and uh forcing China to our foreign policy. Now in the year twenty thirteen, we were we, by we I mean the American government, uh wanted to overthrow Syria. It was time for that, you know, we just done it to Libya. And the pretext for an invasion were, well, uh, Russia wasn't going to let that happen for a number of different reasons. We can get into it later if you want. And uh, they went in uh, with a few other European countries. They talked the weapons out. They dismantled them. Uh, Italy and a couple other countries were involved. Uh, this was during Obama's presidency with uh, Joe Biden as vice president. And... They had a lot of inexperienced people up in the last 30 years where America was virtually unchallenged. So to them, that was a great insult. Russia got in the way. How dare they do so? Simultaneously, two things were created. Another pretext for invasion, which was ISIS. and, And virtually that whole pretext was artificially designed. And for russia on new on russian border in ukraine were generated and stepped up in the form of support of neo-nazism and uh their minority coup. um unfortunately for our side russians chose not to back down they went into syria they locked down the skies basically won the war in syria while taking on federal reserve and imf at the same time they were able to do that because they only country in the world that has a very small uh, debt hardly anything just on the books but anyways so starting from 2015 and up Ukraine went in a state of turmoil uh, while half a country was going about their business working you know daily life Western Ukraine was was protesting and a minority group, of neo-Nazis from Western Ukraine slipped in, uh, mostly comprised of neo-Nazi gangs at a the time. They burned a bunch of people alive in Odessa in 2015. Uh, YouTube talked down most of those videos and many other services, unfortunately. And ever since 2015, we've been kind of aiding and supplying and training um, Ukrainian forces along with United Kingdom. In 2015, uh, the new establishment realized they couldn't trust the Ukrainian military because the Ukrainian military were defecting. They were insides sides to Russian or leaving the country altogether, defecting by tens of thousands. So they established this National Guard. A National Guard is comprised of Nazi battalions such as Azov. I mean, they're pretty famous battalions now. And, uh, you know, it's it's public knowledge that. They're as Nazi as a modern Nazi gets. So over years, they've been digging in. They've been getting trained. And uh, for situation, it's just like that you see that's happening right now. Um, From what I see, Putin and Russia, they tried diplomacy for a very long time. They tried uh, to establish uh, some kind of consensus between the breakaway separatist regions and the rest of Ukraine. What happened was the new establishment, um, I'm sorry, I'll go back a little bit. At the time in Ukraine, there was three languages, Russian, I think second there was Kumans, and Ukrainian. The Ukrainian was the third most spoken language at home. So when the neo-Nazi regime took over, they targeted Russian stores, Ukrainian, Russian-speaking business owners, even threatened to listen in on which languages people speak and for speech Russian. Since twenty fifteen till now there was uh, fourteen thousand deaths estimated to Ukrainian neo Nazi and shelling of separatist regions. Uh, I'm sorry guys if I'm chelling on a little bit but no, that's fine. Uh, that's fine. It's vital material to cover because it's not a it's not a black and white type of subject. So now, um, Russia and Putin, pretty much, they, they feel that they ra- run out of options. They have NATO encouraging in um, a for military bases. In fact, I didn't know this until recently, and I heard this from Ukrainian folk myself, military base in Ukraine. Probably one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why Putin decided to finally drop the hammer on the whole thing. And uh, a few days later, that military base was burned. Uh, There were videos all over it. But there is a multitude of things why Russians decided to move it. One, they consider Ukrainians practically their own people. Whether they identify as Russian or not at bare minimum it's a brotherly nation, uh with exception of the neo-Nazis. Uh two our NATO, our American bases are encouraging on Russian territory. Imagine if Russians would be setting up missiles in South Canada and north of Mexico. Uh would probably freak out too. And my only complaint, uh that's on a personal level what I'm about to say now, um it's unfortunate there is loss of life and there's probably gonna be bigger loss of life. And I think Putin messed up by delaying this whole arrangement, this whole um moving in into Ukraine. He should have done it in 2015. The reason being a lot more lives would be saved. Back then the Nazi battalion, the Ukrainian National Guard were not established, were not trained fairly. Uh, Putin's military could have went in, secured everything with minimum innocent life lost and avoided most of the sanctions, probably 80% of them occurring from 2015 till now. And global economy probably would would have been better off. But now the situation on the ground is that Russia and they're taking over all the military facilities outside of highly populated areas, but they can't take the cities without risking innocent life again reason being the guard they hide in schools they park their equipment behind day and high rises that, they're, that, they're they're
3: the ones violating all these stupid like yeah. laws and essentially the western world put in place
1: yes and of course nobody's covering it. everybody's covering oh the russians but what about the fourteen thousand people that Ukrainians and, killed so far? Yeah, and Do to be Ukraine fair, I don't really war. want
3: to call Azov like Nazis when they're federal agents and they act like like they act like federal agents. Quite frankly,
1: well, uh, I mean uh, that would be my own assumption, and I don't know this for sure, but um it's almost like a CIA-like tactic. Hey, oh, it is why a CIA. Don't, t- why, t- why don't you shoot some buildings, and we'll blame it on the Russians? Are you. Well I mean so another
3: thing with Azov is Azov is doing the same thing like Soviet commissars did now supposedly I keep hearing that the National Guard quote unquote for Ukraine is basically forcing people to fight
1: yeah um, and I suspected this from the beginning and I just heard reports the other day and that's from Ukrainian side that basically regular Ukrainian army is trapped at the gunpoint because they know that they can't back out yeah they will get shot also there were reports of kiev mayor being shot being killed executed for trying to negotiate uh peace so i just i
3: think it's funny that it's like there's like you said western ukraine has all these people that are essentially anti-slavic and they like some of them i think i actually do believe like what i would consider if not lies exaggerations of like nazi beliefs you know what i'm saying like where it's like oh yeah i need to genetically like, basically wipe out slavs like russian slavs and things like that but meanwhile yeah. they're being funded by israelis quite it's frankly fine. and the usual sub- suspects
1: uh, i don't know about israelis in this case uh because
3: oh no they they literally have weapons they got weapons from an israeli billionaire yeah uh
1: israel israel situation as well because um, they're one of the few nations that is actually somewhat grateful for the rush you know, winning World War Two, because they freed a lot of the concentration camps Israel actually celebrates uh, a Russian holiday commemorating uh, the defeat of Nazi Germany and the, Russia... their
3: commissar like, not to be say it's necessarily the same thing, but like the people who were commissars in russia were very much similar to the people who would go on to form israel huh. let's just say
1: yeah those that's, comments not...
3: that's well, how we'll word that
1: let me get back to uh the ukrainian stuff on the ground there's a point i wanted to make so uh now what you have happening is basically Russians moving in in various stages uh, with all their equipment, and they're tr- using the smaller forces to try and uh, gain as much control of the city. While, as you can, yeah, you, know, you guys are probably aware, they had bunch of convoys from remote locations, but uh, the reason being, uh, they don't they want to avoid innocent life loss move in the cities of uh, an all-out war type of routine, civilians, and the Ukrainians uh, not let the civilians out because they know. And a fairly not like tactic, tactic that they did use in World War II, but I'm sure they're getting some from other nations as well. They're very much aware that the moment uh, civilians exit the cities, the Russians, and they can't stop them. So it's almost a terrorist-like tactic. They're using the all these uh, innocent civilians as a shield. Um, that's the only way that they can prevent or prolong uh, inevitable Russian takeover. But um, that's where we are right now, and I suspect, unfortunately, that sooner or later, uh, Russian convoys, their main convoys. Uh, unfold, unpack, form large front lines. I I rather all civilians be out at that point. When convoys form the front lines, it's much harder to preserve civilian life and it virtually means war. Everybody's screaming war right now. The real war hasn't really started yet and I hope all those casualties can be avoided. I I will also they destroy story.
3: infrastructure and leave. I mean that's what I would do if I just wanted to fuck them. I would just yeah, destroy yeah. That's, the infrastructure that's what the normal and leave.
5: tactic is take well, out the infrastructure, shut off the power, the water, all that shit. But they, and they they're have not the using power plants. Yeah, they're not using siege tactics. They're trying to keep everything intact.
1: Yeah, and uh compared to uh the last um um the last invasion we had, the most comparable one would be Iraq, right? And uh we go the two are completely different. If you look at what's happening in Ukraine and look uh, what happened in Iraq, the tactics were completely different. We went in Iraq, we would bomb everything, strategic, used 175 K troops in total month, basically decimated, destroyed, took over everything. And what's happening in Ukraine uh doing any of that. I mean, yes, they are bombing or using artillery or strategic... You, like you said,
3: though, the Russians have to be careful not to commit a yeah. genocide. The United States is allowed to genocide Iraqis, and no one gives a shit.
1: There's one concern that I will stress, and uh, I'm not saying it will happen, but it's highly probable. Now, uh, I think that one of the EU countries, one of the NATO countries or in surrounding areas, sub, More than likely, they'll either troops in Ukraine or send their troops in Ukraine, and at that point, I'm afraid Russians will respond heavily in very uh, type of fashion and retaliate. Now, I don't think it would trigger Article 5 of NATO, you know, that that's the old type of paradigm from, oh, we'll go to war, everybody's just, reality." there's only two countries, two nations that can completely the globe. And I'm pretty sure United States and Russia would do everything possible not to engage with each other. So yeah. I think even if a NATO country does mess up to get itself into that conflict, it's not going to spill out into a global World War III. But I'm still very concerned for that event happening because Russians will retaliate hard. And I mean, and, don't you no,
3: think they waited because of the economic consequences on the United States?
1: I no, mean, not at all. Uh, uh, I actually see what you're saying. I think they waited, in my personal opinion, because Vladimir Putin messed up, miscalculated. He thought. I mean, I think would...
3: you know. I think the United States is economically not going to get any better. Oh so yeah, I don't really. For sure. So Besides, I mean, I don't. I don't know. It's hard for me to sit here and be like. It's hard for me to sit there and say, like, I understand what you mean for sure, but it's also like if you are able to hit the targets you need to hit with the more advanced weaponry that Russia has, you know, then, I mean, essentially you can, you can get rid of like highly trained personnel easily because they still have like a weapons grade advantage in terms of like equipment.
1: Well, I, I agree with you in uh, uh, retrospect as well. If you step out outside the Ukraine uh, conflict and you listen to people like Ron Paul or many, many analysts, and I mean real analysts, think tanks, not somebody on CNN that can put two words together, um, everybody predicted, um, excuse me for lack of a better word, but it is what it is, the fall of uh, our American empire and fall of that. And Afghanistan was predicted up two or three years earlier than I expected it. But, you know, pandemic, different presidency, and also us uh, targeting Russia with the whole Ukraine thing in 2015. Well, now we come back around and we make it whole much worse. Basically, uh, our empire was of of the beginning stages of collapse and now by targeting Russia economically we're just accelerating that process so much more. Yeah. What what do you guys think even our american businesses they um, look at shell they they will not feel confident placing their money using a Yeah, equipment.
3: yeah, that that's kind of my point too is like this kind of um shows the fragility of the system, especially like a system that's like American infrastructure shit, mind you. Like our allies can afford things that we can't, et cetera, et cetera. Like when we try to do infrastructure project, all the money gets funneled away in the United States. Oh yeah. Like, does, we does, don't we don't matter. we don't actually build anything. Versus yeah, like I I would, all our allies who can Yeah, yeah. And
5: then, I don't know if anybody's concerned that like Joe Biden's trying to make calls to oil producing countries and they're putting
3: them on hold or refusing to speak to him. So yeah, like... he, it's not America's not a serious country. That's that's the issue. Like, it's, it's, you when you look at, it, like, American infrastructure and you realize, oh, they can't even build a fucking railroad anymore. You kind of realize, okay, well, like, because, you know, you I mean, you've seen the railroad network, like, Biden is supposedly praying to, failing to build, right? We both know all that money is going to end up in some, like, billionaire pockets, and literally none of that's going to get built.
1: Well and when you can look at a country and
3: know that, you know they're fucked.
1: I mean, I think every country has corruption issues. Oh, but yeah. the probably leads in it because we legalize a lot of these um. Corruption. Of <laughs> we we legalize
3: policy. corruption, like basically. Yeah, we're
1: it's we're a we, lobbyist. We legalize corruption.
3: Yeah, like so. like yeah, that's the lobbyists are. And I think like one of the things is people I think people underestimate Putin in like the economic regards because it's not like he's like some great necessarily some great economist himself, right? But I, I think I he reads other people's work. I was hearing rumors
5: work. that he might bring out a gold-backed ruble because they got 2,400 tons. You know, like well, all the brick well, nations have been buying up lots of gold. Well, and so China has a huge, a huge
3: amount, too. So it's like, if you really test them, you well, know. You
1: also got to figure, since 2008, Russia and China have been working on establishing a mutual economic wall because uh, they – but, yeah, uh, United States dollar will collapse. The only thing and the
3: Russians we... are afraid of, I think, is becoming subservient to the Chinese, which is is an issue if they do go through with it.
1: Well, uh, China's gonna, in short term, probably end up. Uh, ben, uh, okay, well, let me ask you this: Imagine you're a multi billionaire, and now you just lost a billion dollars because of these sanctions were in Russia, and in future. Uh, you want your assets to be secured, right? And China is by far the only country that uh, that will keep your assets secure. China cares not, about
3: asset protection, not, which is wild that, to say. Yes.
1: All the business is gonna go uh, into China and in Yang and uh, store their security using Chinese financial infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, Fall over to Russia, maybe. I'm um, all. Um, you guys know that Russian stock market is closed, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we heard well, about I'm, that
5: Netflix and all that shit stuff that our accounts, yeah. and then they were saying that Russia is going to disconnect from the internet, create its own separate thing, and, well, and I, they I just turned, encouraged um, everybody to this, pirate everything. Now,
1: we disconnected <laughs> them from the Western uh section of the internet, so now they have to connect through Asia. Which you know presents it's hilarious, mm-hmm.
3: by the way, because people act like these nodes aren't controlled by like, not I mean not just our feds, but like mostly our feds, like the nodes for the internet and whatnot, and like the fact that they can kind of shut Russia out, I think proves a lot. I'm just saying,
1: but uh, all I gotta say is this: um, whenever you start suppressing information, you're doing it for you either want a dictate dictatorship, and all all control, or you're afraid of losing control. And I think what we see developing in Europe uh, is kind of the later, the second one. Have you guys seen what's happening in the Czech Republic? I mean, the country is turning into virtually a police state. You can't, uh, people or um, supporting Russia on social media. In Germany, you can't walk out with a Russian flag. And you know, a lot of these countries, that, that's just the late example, but throughout the last eight years, during the pandemic and slightly before, there was a lot of policies put into place that limit people's rights. Uh, in America, we can't just like write laws that will take away people's rights right away, because too many people will rise up against it. So instead, um, uh, tech, we use uh, giant tech companies to suppress information. And we try to make sure that most Americans are dependent on the well-being by working for super large corporations. And to tax breaks. In return, those companies abide to our government's uh, desires, and regulations. So virtually, uh, entire Western world is either trying to control its people through law, or as we see in the United States, through a third party system, which is uh, the uh, corporate for information control or employment. And that's this, all this has for to close for about a decade or so and we're kind of seeing the final final step so um uh, it's pretty sad in my opinion um well i think um, it's i think it's
3: sad that it's like that it's gone this way if you know what i mean yeah, like, like, on, like to... on one hand this like all this a lot of this shit needs to end you know what i mean i don't think this is the best way it could have went But like I and I hate to say it this way because it sounds kind of cruel and I don't really want unnecessary cruelty or anything, you know, but. I think that this has to take its course, if you know what I mean, it's
5: just uh, Alex Jones tried to warn us, but people wouldn't. Yeah,
3: I mean, uh, he was was right about a lot. I mean, I think he was wrong about some stuff for sure, but yeah, like this is.
7: Yeah, (laughs) It's it's not funny. (laughs)
3: <laughs> so was Ron Paul. Ron Paul predicted a shit ton of this. Uh, so yeah, the, Ron, uh,
1: Ron Paul's predictions yeah. were in line with many think tanks. But you get Trump was so unpopular. It wasn't because particularly, yeah, and some people might not feel like that. It's because he went against the foreign policy, I, whatever you want to call it nowadays. Establish oh, yeah. state, Basically yeah. CIA type of narratives. And you have to understand that CIA and our government agencies have a lot to say in what news show and news do. So they try more than likely, in my opinion, kill the say president, nothing. guys.
3: Like newsflash, they kill the fucking president. The CIA has control of a lot of his shit. And what is the CIA is a cancer cell. It cares about continuous growth. That's what it wants.
1: I, I kind of agree. JFK said that fragments yeah, in, what, 10,000 different pieces? And then yeah. Trump comes to office and uh, he's not following this globalist agenda. Maybe he has some other agenda in mind, whatever. And they don't like it. Um, they got to the world. So they tried to put him in line by making him seem like he's colluding with Well, I, I, think and, uh, up I think they framed him up for some stuff.
3: I think they framed him up for some stuff and just shut him down. I think that they would have pressed charges on some sort of thing they, they found a way to press charges on something and basically if he if he kept if he actually did anything remotely good, they were gonna if anything that would have been remotely good for our country, they would have they would have fucking fucked him.
1: Well, they kinda of, I can say it for a fact, but you guys witnessed the last elections. Uh which which by the way is ironic to me. Uh often I hear on a liberal type of end of things how Russia doesn't have journalism, how uh, Putin rules everybody, yeah. and all this bad stuff's going on. And I'm like, well, where's our journalism? Any, any news? Well, Europe now? So, <laughs> serious,
3: serious statement here, right, involving the election. And I, do, this is kind of off topic, but I'm just going to say this, right, real quick. As someone from New York, right, I don't know any left wing people who voted for Joe Biden. I really don't. Most of them just didn't vote. So, I mean, take that for what you will, but if people in New York are saying that one of the most shit parts of the fucking country, I don't really know who voted for this guy.
1: As somebody that lived in Pennsylvania and knows a lot of people in Philadelphia and New York, I barely know anybody personally that voted for Joe Biden. A lot of different people uh, from all sorts of spectrum of politics and walks of life. So, yeah, it. Uh... I knew some guys that voted for Kanye because they didn't like either
5: candidate.
3: And I voted for Rand Paul, to be honest. I didn't like, even during bother the voting. primary. No, it was like first. It was the first time I was old enough to vote. So I voted for Rand Paul.
1: Rand Paul? In the primary. <laughs> I would have but... voted for his father. I voted I for
3: mean,
5: his
1: father twice. I
3: mean, I, I would have voted for his father had I been old enough any time his father ran. But during the primaries when Trump was running, I, I voted for Rand Paul instead because I just thought Trump was very unrealistic. But Yeah.
1: I mean, uh, honestly, and this is my opinion only, and uh, I honestly do not think we're going to have another president that will make significant difference for uh better evolution of us as a country um, in economic sense, in any any sense.
3: I don't think there's any ramping down on this system. Like I don't think
1: this global
3: hegemony, and I don't think there's any fixing it.
1: I think within our lifetime, once we're older, we're going to see a complete collapse of all currency. The way this is all going down is just... People with old narratives and power or behind the scenes, they don't have power, and they're basically driving the world into an inevitable collapse. I could be
3: wrong, but certain like computer, like resources used in computer parts and stuff are rare enough to where I don't really see, um, it, I, in an industrial society, this opulent surviving 100 years. I will. I can say. I think I can safely say that.
1: I think there is definitely some type of reset coming up. Um, we'll be alive for it, but maybe. Oh, hopefully, it's not the ones they want. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, hope, yeah. I hope. not either. But
3: um, yeah, I I'm think not interested in
5: eating bugs or living in
3: a pod. me to bugs and live in a pod? Then I'll yeah. um, be honest with you guys. The Fed posting has become very real, very fucking quick.
1: <laughs> no thanks. But, uh, yeah, guys, you heard about the biological military bases all over uh, Ukraine, right? Yeah,
5: so we heard there was like 11 of them, because first they said there was no... It's a conspiracy theory, and then we had the undersecretary say, yeah, we have biological labs. Then they were saying, well, the labs are to uh, safely dispose of stuff. And I'm like, I'm not buying that shit. Well,
1: before even the Russian news announced it, um, I had some documents sent to me by uh, whoever. It doesn't matter. (laughs) anyways and uh, i was kind of shocked uh documents were all in english all these labs were all over ukraine and uh uh, uh, it was a little bit shady as they did not specify what type of research there was exactly but then a few days later sources and their official sources uh, began to question and state what these biological labs are about Allegedly, if you listen to Lavrov, Sergey Lavrov and a few others, allegedly uh, they were testing African swine flu, COVID. They were experimenting with bats, reptiles, and a few other things. Allegedly, they do this on the parts of China as well. And you know, going back to the pandemic, one of the theories that always was thrown around is that the covid was a leak from an american biological base somewhere around their borders in the first place and doubt that all these biological labs are in ukraine testing on a similar uh, you know subjects um that's just interesting. i think it's strange, strange that like they've been that.
3: putting bio like basically bioweapons labs in areas that are full of like very productive agriculture.
7: <laughs> you know
3: what I mean? Because oh. they moved one of uh, the main U.S. bioweapons labs into like the middle of the United States, which I thought was weird. I can't remember which one it is, but it's just... It doesn't seem like a good idea. It doesn't seem like it's going to have good end results.
1: Unless you want it to spread. I mean, yeah, yeah. unless yeah. you're doing it on
3: purpose. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> right there, right by all the crops and, uh, you know, Cattle and farms depend on what it is. Like, I mean, like, I'm I'm from
3: upstate New York. I know what, uh, I remember Lyme disease. I remember having Lyme disease. I mean, I mean, do we, we know the history of that, don't we? I mean, that came, it's almost 100% that that came from a government lab.
5: Yeah, because they didn't want people running off in the hills.
3: You know, Lyme, it's Lyme, Connecticut, I think. Where they had their, these part retar- <laughs> pardon my friend, these geniuses didn't know that deer could swim, I guess. So when the infected ticks got out, they got on the deer. And voila, voila it's, you know, there you go. Now you guys get to have a bioweapon that was designed to be used against probably Iraq or whatever, to be honest.
5: Well, at least our possum friends can keep the tick population down.
3: Awesome gang, rise up.
1: Oh, yeah, guys. Uh, so, you probably don't know, but my family does have a condo in one of the Ukrainian cities. I'm from Moscow, I live there, but some of my family is from Ukraine, so. I often. Yeah. That's, in part any of, that's, case.
3: that's part of the issue I have with this whole conflict that I don't get. Like, I get it, you know what I mean? On, like, in terms of what's happening, but I'm also like. I, I mean, not to be a dick, right? I don't understand why Ukrainians would not just want to be part of Russia.
1: Well, that's what I mean. Most of them... Remember how I said there's three types of Ukrainians? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like,
3: I, I, yeah. I don't know how the Western element could have that much influence. I guess is my point.
1: Well, they t- it took them a while. It was decades, probably, in the world. First infiltrating uh, education system in the Western parts of Ukraine. And then in 2015... Although there were Maidan protests, as you call them. Yeah, 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 the the Iron Maiden protests, where they
4: called it? uh...
1: Well, half a country, half a Ukraine, even more than half, they were just going about their business. Nobody expected for a minority of this Western whole protest, uh, the minority Nazi coup to form. I mean, it's something that's unheard of, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, I also think that's where... Uh, our administration seriously messed up. Because, um, in my opinion, as being Russian, Russian American, I think Russians would have forgotten and forgiven everything. But they lost 20 million civilians alone in World War II. And now our administration, below the belt, installs a fascist like, Nazi like coup. That was pretty, that wasn't very thoughtful, because they will not forgive that. Yeah, oh, also, um, you yeah, guys John McCain do... and Lindsey
5: Graham were there, like, right before that
1: shit started, just kind of like
5: how right before ISIS started, too.
1: Yeah, it, yeah. And uh, like I said, the whole ISIS thing and uh, the support for Ukrainian Nazi coup uh, was happening simultaneously right after Russia dismantled the chemical weapons in Syria. Now, you guys know that Hunter Biden at the time, while we were supporting the neo-Nazi coup in, uh, or indirectly, or however you want to say it, but we aided and supported that coup, uh, Hunter, Biden's, Hunter Biden obtained several billion dollars in Ukrainian oil assets. I heard he was made like
5: some kind of executive of what Burisma, and then he gets a check for $50,000 a month just for being on their board, but he doesn't have to do
3: shit.
1: Basically an
3: oil czar, oil king.
1: uh, Also another, and I'm not sure about this part, so don't quote me on it, but uh, something about 80K a week on some other source. And allegedly Nance got a piece of a pie as well. And all of those guys were present. In, uh, under the previous, under Obama's administration, under whose watch the whole Libya, Syria, Ukraine crisis started in the first. You period.
3: know, it's funny because the international click like will leave you with a lot of uh, a lot of circumstantial evidence, like enough circumstantial evidence where it's basically factual, but. A lot of this stuff, you know, we do have to use guesswork, but it's it's so obvious what happened here. You know what I mean? Yeah, and
5: yeah. Also, also, Hunter Biden's not a world-renowned artist, but he gets paid $75,000 for a painting he
3: sells. You know, I've never heard of money laundering before, guys. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know. Come on.
1: Ben just got arrested uh, last night. I think he was ordered to liquidate, what, $14 million of personal assets? uh allegedly he stole federal funding from uh native american funds um
3: yeah something like that
1: yeah so i mean you have this group of people that's going to war uh, they're making and their friends are uh, obviously fraudulent as well because they're getting arrested by our own government and uh, this is all happening under their watch because those same people right now, uh, I just I find it a little bit strange. Uh, also, I would like to touch bases on the two-dimensional mentality we have in America. Um, I think it was specifically designed to keep people uh, separated and focused on each other and not see what's going on around the world. This way it's, it's easier to control us as Americans. Um, if you, going back to what you said earlier, uh, if we paid more attention what our government does abroad, we would have a far better picture as to what type of government we're dealing with and what they're doing on the side of our country, just by analyzing how we do things in Iran, Iraq. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's why I
3: think it's amazing that people in the United States can talk so much shit about Putin. I'm like, hey, you know what? If Putin tries to build a railroad, it'll actually get built. <laughs> you know i mean I, you could sit there you could sit there and like like oh but he's fascist or this or that it's like hey uh you know the whole trains running on time thing like say what you will but it actually fucking matters <laughs> like what the fuck man
1: yeah let um maybe they'll do this by the end of a ukrainian conflict i think putin is set on building some kind of ancient nazis Army, I'm not sure to what capacity, but that's been circulating on. uh back Yeah, yeah, I heard he with...
5: was trying to get three thousand year old Assyrian warriors DNA and turn them into super soldiers. And then there was, there was some <laughs> other talk I saw recently, but it, it sounds like a good topic for another show that he has changed religions and now he's like one of the the Siberian shaman types. Uh, they were worshiping some kind of sky god thing. Some he has a he is a spiritual advisor that they're calling the modern day rasputin and he went to a bunch of different holy sites and they were believing that he is the reincarnation of subutai
3: the swift
1: that That's is cool. interesting i have not heard that uh, i'm <laughs> sure. next to the sites there's some memes where people
3: compare that. russians to mongols now like the like the really like kind of racist sort of uh you know anti russian memes <laughs> they're just I mean, mongols
1: I... Don't compare Russians to anything, depending on the politics we have going at the time. Uh, <laughs> being a Russian-American. Have you, have
5: you faced any discrimination lately for being Russian? Because I hear well, that's
1: being rampant. I up. live in. There isn't much I can face here. Uh, it's pretty. No, Nobody gets into you And nobody gets into your personal space. To be honest,
3: if you lived in Brighton Beach, I'd probably discriminate against you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: You know what? Uh, I'm not too fond of too many folk in Brighton Beach in general. Not that I know many of them, but um, I type areas. areas. Uh, reason being, not just Brighton Beach specifically, but the large cities. Um, I think there's there's a lot more people over there and a lot more people that don't know how to be respectful to each other, and they yeah. get carried away. I'm partially
3: kidding, but I do think, like, to be honest, I think like, big cities do attract the worst type of Slavic immigrants, if I'm honest.
1: Well, big cities attract worst of everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's just a general. Yeah,
7: it's a, it's definitely
3: a generalization to say Slavic, but yeah, you could just apply it to literally everyone. That's right. Basically, it moves there.
1: Now, I heard that some might, um, you know, be discriminated against, but I haven't experienced it. And... Then again, I'm in Texas, and people are a little bit different over here. Uh, I can imagine that being slightly a problem in New York. Actually, yeah. Um, so uh, in New York, they had people, right, putting letters Zs on their cars in support of Russians. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> so what, like, let's say somebody that doesn't like Russians, and I would assume mostly like a Russian speaking person, Western Ukrainian or whatever. They'll take a picture of that and they'll post it on Facebook and they're like, oh, here are the plates, here's the car, and then later a bunch of, you know, hoodlums uh, come across that car and they'll smash the windows or something. Which is so, fucking you know,
3: hilarious because after nine eleven everyone loved Putin. I mean I hate the bra like Putin gave us a statue after nine eleven. Like Americans, at least New Yorkers really really like the guy.
1: Like I don't want to sound like I'm pro Putin, right? I mean there's stuff I can criticize him on. But uh, I think Americans completely misunderstand him. He's actually a, a very pro western guy.
3: yeah, that's he, that's the puts thing.
1: Russia first, he doesn't want to compromise his own nation. Yeah.
3: He's yeah. not and, even like particularly like he's conservative but not particularly. Like he's like he's like a conservative from like maybe the 1980s like he's not very right wing at all and to be honest yeah, like yeah, i'm yeah. much more right wing and much more fascistic than putin is i'll say that out loud i don't give a shit uh, like this idea know, that putin right. is some fucking nazi is ridiculous
1: Ru- russian communist party a uh, smaller communist party right they have multiple parties but one of them is that communist Way more conservative than Putin is. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, the thing. that's ironic.
3: That the ironic part. Is yeah, the co- at least socially speaking, the Communist Party of Russia seems like it's really fucking conservative. Yeah, uh, and, uh,
1: yeah, their leader is kind of goofball. They call him Zerinovsky. It's as if like, hey, you guys. Oh yeah, I, like, I'm
3: <laughs> I'm more familiar with Russian politics than I have any reason to be. But yeah, uh, Fuck, I wanted to ask something. Oh, what
5: does the Z stand for that the Russian troops are doing? Does it mean victory or something? Z,
1: uh, there's all the speculation. Nothing, nothing's nothing been confirmed right now. But uh, I guess we'll have to wait after this is over, and they'll give us official data. But, yeah, there's many variants of speculation, like V is victory, Z is something else. But Z is becoming like kind of an underground social media symbol almost. Um, oh. I watched a video where a bunch of Australians... Kevin Z's on their cars supporting uh, Russian effort by Russian embassy. And uh, it's kind of getting, and I'm not saying it's on the social media. Consider social media like Facebook. That That's all ran yeah. by, you know, whom. And, well, uh, just, uh, they don't give it any. That's I just, I don't know. <laughs>
3: I feel like by supporting Russia in some way, you are supporting Ukraine. That's, that's how I feel about it. At least in terms of like. The majority of the don't population. They want to
1: go in there and decimate everything. Yeah, they like I what
3: I'm saying. They, like, if it was like, quite right. frankly, if this was NATO slash Zog or whatever the fuck you want to call it, they would have been blowing up all the Ukrainian cities weeks ago. Oh yeah, and, you, and I think all... they
5: were trying to sanction uh, India because India wouldn't like uh, vote against Russia on some kind of UN yeah. council thing, and then
7: yeah, Mexico yeah, they were. not they,
5: they went and declared uh, Mexico is going to be neutral. They have nothing to do with this kind of shit, which is smart on mm-hmm. them.
1: You know what I'm surprised, guys, and that goes in line with what I said earlier, how our American empire and dollar are inevitably is collapsing. But I did not anticipate that Latin America is going to develop a voice at this stage. I would see it like five, ten years down the line. But looking at Brazil. Yeah, I thought they were going to be the charges. Brazil yeah, 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 <laughs> the
3: CIA. Frankly, Ostlans looking a lot more realistic every goddamn day out here. So. Well, yeah, they're
5: going to – well, because they're part of the BRIC nations. And then uh, I saw a thing where – there was videos on TikTok where Mexicans were pissed off because Americans were driving into Mexico to buy up a bunch of gas to avoid paying the taxes <laughs> on American gasoline.
1: That's hilarious. They might start using that wall we built and, you know, for themselves in a few years. Well, yeah. we to run from a, a yeah. Down. Well,
3: it's like, it's like, not to be a dick, but it's like oftentimes, you know, when you're dealing with certain immigrant populations, they're not exactly going to send you their best immigrants. <laughs> like if the government has any say
1: you know I mean, usually people that try to live, go to another country they do so because they're trying to get away from hardships of the country they're coming from oh yeah like uh, with
3: yeah like with mexico specifically i think actual like uh let's just say actual like mexicans that that's definitely an argument to you made right but with like other south american countries i'd be like eh, these guys are like just seem like straight up criminals
1: well, a lot of the cartels, from what I'm hearing, and this is off the topic of this conversation, but since we're on it, from what I hear from um, a lot of my Mexican buddies, that um, cart- a lot of cart- cartel members get uh, come from other countries. So they don't... Yeah, yeah time, no, that's so true. That's, like, yeah. Hey, here's 10 bucks, go kill somebody, and that, that's what they do.
3: Like, a lot of the people involved with the Mexican cartels in the beginning were Colombian. But not to get too off track. Um, I wanted to say, I think the Indian thing's interesting. Because like, I think if India's going to go along, like, India might have, end up it, maybe not even have a choice. India might have to go along with Russia and China. Think... Well,
5: weren't they developing the PAC-50, so it's like a joint uh, country fighter well, that they were all developing? Ye- so those... the
3: issue is, is India has tensions with China, but the thing is, is guess who controls the where all their, where the majority of their water supply comes from, or will control it once they dam it off? China. So at some point it's like, you know, if China actually builds that dam or threatens it, India has to do what China says, or they don't get water.
1: Was kind of was kind of what was that? I don't Um, know, somebody somebody said something. uh, So, um, one thing I wanted to say is that um, India-Russian relationship, uh, they have a highly strong relationship. Oh, Uh, yeah, they do. Russia's probably the only country ever in history that uh, transferred so much sensitive technology to India. Not only they transferred their tech there, they basically, uh, they allowed... developments skip 50 years in like uh aerospace and uh building jets and uh missiles they basically grabbed them by the hand and walked them 50 years into the future and yeah. uh that says a lot about their. oh, oh yeah that, that, oh, that,
5: I think reminds, that
1: reminds me of boeing boeing said
5: they we weren't going to buy any more titanium from russia to build their aircraft but i'm like well, oh, russia's was... only country you can get titanium and platinum from
1: yeah, good luck. Russia uh, also have, they got rhodium. They literally have most of the mineral resources yeah. that Earth will need.
3: Well, it's like, yeah, you're going to have to deal with Russia or China because China's going to own Africa soon. So have fun.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, uh, right what I speculate that will happen is that um, Russia's not going to be trusted in Western countries uh, no more, like uh, the our American vessel states of Europe that don't have a voice of their own. And um, I think Putin's going to keep the stock market closed for a while. until. Yeah. He can run.
3: Well, the issue you too is, is, like, is like people can say what they want about the totalitarian East, right? But like, guess who offers these countries a much better deal? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they're not constantly trying to strong arm. Like China offers African countries a good deal
1: yeah and you know if you're a foreigner a foreigner investor and china actually i mean China provides great services uh for you to do business in for you to store your commodities yeah, yeah. and uh you know uh i i'm i can't say how they treat their people on regular basis. I don't live in China, but to a foreigner i mean uh China is a golden goose more or less. It's a very stable
3: nation. Well, I don't think, like, I think, like, I don't want to, I gotta be careful I phrase it, because it might sound supportive of, like, like, me, even as totalitarian as I can come across certain policies, right? I'm not against freedom of speech. Like, I don't really give a shit if people disagree with me. That's not really something I find particularly threatening. So, like, my thing is, I think when China attacks speech in certain ways it's more justified than people initially think
1: you got to figure there's also different cultures nothing that's
3: that's where i'm trying to go with it it's like
1: there's a reason why communism stuck to asian countries a lot more than it did in russia for example because uh in russia for centuries they had merchants, they had high court people that always challenged the Tsar and the king. That was normal, that was regular, same as in Western societies, more or less. But the thing is, is, you know,
3: China's a, China has existed as like some sort of conceived entity.
1: Yeah for much
3: oh, yeah, longer yeah. than They're more like a collective like... over there
5: in that part of the world. Yeah, place. they've, Those, they've um... existed
3: as a as a group they in think... some like some conceived way for so long that like essentially, like even if you think this system's bad, it's it's better than ninety-five percent of their history.
1: Yes, and uh, it's kind of um, it's kind of a similar system, but uh, similar ways of control under a singular entity for a very, very long time. So they're used to that. And so when communists came in, they basically adapted all this communism dressing because it goes fine with how things were there for long periods of time. Whether communists came to Russia and, you know, they're like, hey, wait a minute. We're used to trading and doing.
3: Not to say I sound like I'm supporting communists, right? Because I don't. Like I support whatever's best for the people at a given time essentially and i think that's how these systems are supposed to work and i think the thing is with, like china ways. is china might call themselves communist or whatever but i think in a lot of ways yeah they basically just do whatever's best at the time yeah for the majority of the people and you know there's some bribes here or there but there's always fucking bribes here or there. There's,
1: I mean, look at us. <laughs> look yeah, at exactly. That's what people
5: talk about corruption. Yeah, like... only politicians get bribes here. But like other countries, it's kind of like, oh, I just gave the cop a tip and he looked the other way. You
3: know, that's how you do it. <laughs> Which, I mean, I mean to be honest, it's like there's worse things. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, but do you have I definitely more on
5: the uh, Ukraine crisis.
1: I think it's just gonna snow. Oh, oh. How do I phrase it? I hope it doesn't happen, but it's highly probable that uh, a real war will begin in Ukraine. And all that, uh, like I said, one of the EU countries will get in it and get camped. I think uh, think they use
5: Polish as a scapegoat because they're already trying to
1: push Poland to use
3: their aircraft on. Yeah, (laughs) Poland's the most likely to because, because uh, they're,
1: I they're, they're, they're I have a thousand year history of warring with russia they might not want to do that again i mean or do you I mean, think, but, do you think a yeah. fin-
5: finland won around too because like uh simo is ghost
3: yeah i was gonna say those snipe, those finnish snipers are just itching
1: yeah yeah but uh, this is not um inadequate uh soviet prior to world war ii I hate to
3: say it, I think Azov or one of them is going to do something to piss Russia off sufficiently to where this turns into a Chechnya situation.
5: Well, they're using, using Chechnyans as shock troops right now, but they're afraid of a different Chechen about faction about getting into there. Yeah, and trying to I'm talking about
3: back in the day, I'm talking about back when Putin dealt with the Chechens. But and they're... the Chechens kept... the Chechens decided to hold their ground harder, and the Russian response was, alright, well, now everything's getting blown the fuck up.
5: But a lot propaganda I've seen, like uh, all the troops are claiming are dead Russian soldiers, where I have the wrong camouflage on. They have digital yeah, the cameras. And the Russians are okay. using multicam right now, which most people don't realize that.
1: Um, so, so many fakes. I've seen so many on Facebook, everywhere. I mean, obviously, all sides will take losses at some point, right? Obviously, there's going to be some Russian uh, as well. But the. Such an overwhelming amount of fakes coming, mostly uh, promoting one side, uh, yeah. it's just impossible. They're oh. showing F16s claiming they shut down Russian uh, jets. Yeah. yeah, I saw one More of like an A10 Warthog started.
5: like dodging a bunch of fire from a C-RAM system. I was like, A10 Warthogs are not that agile, and that's from a video game. It was-
3: yeah, I was gonna say, um, like yeah. my thing is, I think I think what'll happen, or I'm hoping the way this goes is. I'm hoping there's large-scale economic consequences for the West, just for starters, because fuck this shit. I want it to be over. Um, Two,
1: you know, I don't uh, interrupt, but so many Americans are saying exactly what you just said.
3: Yeah, and I'm also hoping that the eastern cities in Ukraine, at least the eastern cities, will give in more peacefully, and then, to be honest, that the western cities get blown up. I mean, still unfortunate, but. It's a
1: lot well, more likely. cities where uh, there will be more resistance, because um, yeah, you know. But we we actually have a city administrator in our condo in Ukraine, and uh, you know he's not he's not fascist. He's not super pro-Russian. He's just a guy that's city administrator, and he's kind of stuck with his whole family. Yeah, leave because no. Uh, that he's stuck on a peninsula city, and there's shooting going on here and there, and there's just most of the people uh, oh. are just stuck nowadays. So, and then some uh, of the propaganda I,
5: I've seen, they're they're making it sound like it's very one sided. Like they're using a bunch of pop culture references, like you know the you know, the Ewoks versus the Empire, and I'm like, if they were really winning, they, would, they wouldn't be like arming convicts and asking yeah, like, to what fight. Yeah, like side usually
3: doesn't do that.
5: Because it's, like, oh, it's yeah. like, I don't think penal legions have been used since yeah. like World War II, and it's like an old Roman tradition.
3: They read I some was... Warhammer 40k books, and they're like, this looks like a good idea.
5: Said that.
1: Oh. oh. Did he cut out?
7: Good.
1: Yeah. Nope. Sorry, guys. I cut out for a second. Okay. I knew that she said that because uh, the same guys we know over there. Um, they're telling us what's happening on the ground. And they're like, yeah, well, the Ukrainian government went and released all of the prisoners. Now in the city of Nikolaev, all prisoners are free. They gave them firearms, thinking like, oh, yeah, they're going to go fight some Russians. But in reality, those guys start going in a bomb and robbing all the people because, you know, people take <laughs> their uh, possessions in the bomb shoulder. City official guy, and they're like, dude, we're going to rob. come and rob you. <laughs> This oh, is in the that, middle that, of... that
5: backfires spectacularly.
1: I so, mean... They
3: started uh, to fall Fallout Raiders very quickly. <laughs> yeah, ra- Raider, raider
1: factions
5: the most
3: Chad. <laughs> I mean, um, I kind of support them more than either government, now that you say that. It's kind of kind of based.
1: Also, what I've been hearing, and uh, now I'm sure there's some on-point logistics, narrow CIA is given to all them brigades, Ukrainian brigades, but they do mess up a lot. For example... Uh, there was a delivery of some javelins or Enlos, and uh, they were airdropping them over cave. Well, the Kiev brigades, they thought those were Russians, airdropping their equipment and uh, their soldiers. So they began shooting at their own allies. And then you had two brigades, two Ukrainian brigade, brigades, because sh- they thought they were fighting Russians. So, yeah, it's kind of a big mess. Now, the... So, Recently, had Ukrainian army decided to launch a Tochka U missile at one of the Ukrainian national guard fascist-like brigades because those guys stopped following orders and killed one of their other captains or somebody higher up. So there's a skirmishes going on on in all sorts of capacity, in all sorts of way. But I think uh the Ukrainian stronghold is definitely this for lack of a better word, neo Nazi establishment. That's how they're capable to keep some whatever. I think it's on hilarious
3: country. that we keep using the term neo Nazis when it's literally like tribal owned.
1: What should we say? Global well, homo. What, what would Nazis. you call those people? Man, uh, uh, I can't use the
3: word I would call the Ukrainian government on this podcast. But,
5: but uh, here's the thing. Oh, what's, what's the got... missing system that the Russians are using? It's not the Katusha, it's like the modernized version of it where they're just. No uh,
1: uh Pinocchio, for lack of a better word, there is Grad, there is Cheburashka, they're all nicknames. So um yeah, they're basically on the world Katushia everything in fact. They uh grad the slightly older one. Ukrainians and Russians both use it, but uh Russians have uh several uh varieties of generations that they build beyond that. And those are highly effective the bad thing is that if there are civilians nearby it's not like a surgical strike of caliber it's designed to affect the larger area and you know they usually shoot them uh they don't shoot them one at a time yeah it's like what 20, 20 of them get launched at once or something like that yeah, it, it depends on the launcher. i mean those do look kind of badass if you take the you know, but they're
3: designed for getting launched at like true. columns of tanks or some shit, not not civilians, not ideally,
1: you would hope. Yeah, yeah that's something they've been using, uh, you know, to decimate military facilities like out in the country. If you, i actually have been trying to follow a Russian and from what I can see, they use smaller amount of troops, and they're just taking over as much as they can on the city areas. Uh, you know, taking over all the vital facilities, making sure the roads are clear. And um, they're basically setting up for sieges. And yeah, because I I'm heard also... they're just using uh, conscripts right now. They're not using their veteran soldier units or spets yet. Well, I... maybe in some
3: capacity, but not the in... entire.
1: The entire Russian side been saying something completely different. So they used some conscripts. Uh, that was a fluke. But for a majority of things, what the Russian side says, they're either using officers or uh, paid for military professionals. They're making their careers in there. Now, so the almost... other
7: funny thing
3: is, so apparently, some of the military professionals that Russia is using also have some like sort of less established neo-Nazi connections. Apparently, so some uh, of the that work... was
5: the Wagner division, and yeah, so people were so, yeah, so like the hoping Wagner the Wagner division fights the Azov.
3: Well, Wagner Division, to be honest, I don't what? have proof of this. I'm wondering if they have links to this organization that used to exist called Paladin, which is an old mercenary organization because Paladin was, form- was formed by Skorseni and members of the Valsham Jaeger and the SS, I believe.
1: But that would be pretty,
3: um, pretty
1: lit if I they were answer. using them. I can like- say, I can answer a couple things and what you just spoke of about Wagner division and the neo-nazi thing well first off the only sources that I've been hearing the neo-nazi thing this is like BBC and CNN okay, so it's not well it's like it's so evident that uh, there is neo-nazi establishment on uh, Ukrainian behalf I mean they have swastika tattoos Et etc I mean, it seems like that... they it <laughs> seems like the CNN and etc they're like oh, okay I mean,
3: Nazis too. <laughs> let's be careful. Like the way, the way we should phrase this is don't, don't call them Nazis. They are a certain type of person usually ends up being a military contractor in that sort of way from what I know of. And they are usually, um, I'll just refer to them as very right wing individuals. Well, so uh... I don't think calling them Nazis is necessarily true, but I could definitely see them having, certain beliefs that might make it easier
1: for uh, like you talking about the hypothetical Russian ones? Yeah, the or the or Russians
3: what? in this case. Azov is just I'm Azov's either a mixture of dumb skinheads and like actual CIA plants for what I gather. I guess. I'm a white guy I'm ready to kill <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, that's Azov Battalion. Azov Battalion's like, oh yes, yeah. you know how like I support white supremacy? Killing other white people. Let's go. <laughs>
1: The Wagner division. So, I'm going to tell you about this uh, little report that never got picked up by any news back when Trump was running for president. And, you know, if there was any real collusion, no news would cover it. Obviously, nobody ever covers real collusion.
7: Uh, yeah. Yeah,
5: because they yeah, still haven't so... produced the PP tapes yet that they keep calling Well, they yeah, because well,
3: they, they don't cover real collusion because that means, oh, wait, other types of collusion might exist. And then maybe people might actually think.
1: There was a little report. Uh, that said that uh, Trump hired 300 mercenaries, security forces, to protect him and his family. And um,
5: Yeah, so they said that he hired uh, Eric Prince and his uh, Blackwater division to act as Secret Service agents because he believed that Secret Service was infiltrated.
1: Uh, also, one of the groups that he... Allowed- just from the support, I'm not saying it's true. Uh, was Wagner like groups, and yeah, on record, already been supplying American border patrols with acoustic hailing equipment and other stuff in 2012. Well, anyways, simultaneously, allegedly in Fazbear, they got their own special forces, uh, GRU, GRU units. 300 of those guys took a sabbatical right around when Trump was hiring 300 units for him and his family. Now, uh, I'm going off the rails a little bit here. You know, old Rus, old Russian ancestry, they kind of have a thing, um, they kind of have a tradition like that because they established a protection for a Byzantine emperor and formed the Warangian Warangian Guard in their own time. So yeah. yeah, I'm getting so, carried away a little bit, but you know it would be ironic yeah. if that's what's happening. Yeah.
3: No, it's it's just funny the way that play, that history repeats itself in certain ways. Hopefully <laughs> not bad ways. Hopefully not anymore. But God, um, I just think it's interesting because like it's one of those things where it's like I don't know. And a lot of ways, I feel like your average Russian is a lot more socially conservative and probably a better person than anyone in Azov, even if you agree with... Yeah,
1: I think a lot of Russians are upset that. right now in general. I think they feel hurt and betrayed because they feel like they fought the, their whole country was decimated in World War Two. They uh, helped people, and now literally the entire Western world is churning in, a- in support of these you know, like... like on to, their to be borders. honest,
3: in some reason, like in some ways, they are correct. But it's like, they should have, like, they should have, like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's it's funny to me because it's like, people act like Russia hasn't changed at all, that it's still the Soviet Union. And I think that's really fucking naive.
1: Uh, That isn't true. I'm from Moscow, right? So I follow up on my hometown, so to speak. Uh, Right before all this crap went down a couple months ago, it got announced to be one of the two safest cities on the planet. Oh, yeah, that's my uh, yeah.
7: point, like, though. It's
3: like, like, all these Westerners keep acting like nothing's changed, though. Like, yeah. the propaganda... Isn't, don't
5: has- they have the highest uh, percentage of billionaires living
3: in one area, too, in Moscow?
1: Uh, maybe. I, it was always between Moscow and Tokyo, uh, top three. But uh, Moscow and... Um, <laughs> what's that city in Saudi Arabia, their main city? Uh, Saudi
3: Arabia? Uh, Riyadh. That's the capital. Wait, Riyadh, Riyadh? Or... Maybe... That's their capital. Then they're like uh, obviously because Mecca doesn't oh. actually like do that. It's,
1: also, like, there's Qatar. Well, I'm between you're Moscow. Thinking of Abu
3: Dhabi, like you're thinking of uh, a what's it called? Dubai. Yeah,
1: that's
3: in UAE. Yeah, that's Arab Emirates.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, last I heard, uh, it's between Moscow, Dubai, and Tokyo uh, as far as being the cleanest cities in the world. So uh, I'm just saying, most Americans. Have a big misconception of what other what Russia is about. It's not. Yeah. It's not the same as it was fifty years ago.
3: Well, same thing with Serbia. Like people act like Serbia is, I don't know, some shithole. And I don't know. Like every description I've heard of Belgrade and
1: I place love like, that, Serbians, like yeah. I gotta say uh, off the record that, uh, in my opinion. Serbia is the only country that has real balls out of any European nation. Uh,
3: well, I love the shit they say, like the video, of the, oh, dude, like, the dude, the dude, the video, of the dude in the in um like getting tried by the EU or some shit, and he's calling yeah, himself. He dr- a war. Yeah,
5: he drinks the poison, and then they have that. They have that on, song like, says, "My dad's a war criminal," which that sounds yeah. pretty, like pretty big. Just a- war song.
3: Well, to be fair, they're talking about a bunch of people that their DNA doesn't actually... Well, I'm not going to get into that. This is too off track.
7: But, but So, yeah,
5: so without getting off good. too far subject, we, we, this is a St. Patrick's Day show. Yeah. So we got some Irish stuff that we need to talk about.
7: Yeah, finally. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, do you
5: want to go first? Uh, or do you want me to go oh,
3: first? Oh, okay. Or... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can go first. So I was going to start with um, one of my favorites, which is the, uh, it's called the, do- God, how did, how the fuck do you pronounce this again? Uh, Duwarku, Duorg- and it is a giant otter from Ireland, a killer otter, mind you, because the, the old story it's from in the 17th century basically has it killing some dude's wife.
1: Thanks for and the subscription, then-
5: Bad thing. Sorry.
1: No,
3: no
5: it's
1: all So, cool. is it like a myth or is it the real thing? Oh, well, you no. Know,
3: giant otters have existed in the past, but this seems like it's a myth of some kind. Oh, you think and it's the like
5: name, over-exaggeration? Is it like a bear size?
3: Well, so the name itself actually translates roughly to water dog or water hound, even though it's usually depicted as an otter, so it's kind of. It's kind of I'm I'm not exactly sure, you know. It's one of those weird things where it's like it could have been like some weird wolf or something, because Ireland had wolves for a while. Um, and it is um, it's the, it's supposed to be like ten to fifteen feet long in some of these descriptions. So it, oh, it's damn. it's pretty, yeah. It's it's pretty. It's a pretty big boy and girl, because in the story, uh, the the guy ends up killing two of them yeah so um trying to figure out which part of ireland it it was in or like supposedly so it would be northern ireland that makes sense um which it's it's odd though because it's like so like i said a giant species of otter did exist at one point i'm pretty sure and the other animals that they have claimed are um dire wolves like Sightings of what basically matches a direwolf's description in Ireland as well. Um now I believe the direwolves are seen in Southern Ireland, but it kinda it's funny because it's like, you know, Ireland as a country kinda does give off these ancient sort of uh vibes when you think about it.
1: Yeah. Well and, what about their vampire? The, oh a I I I
5: I gotta think about the vampire. <laughs> I'll read that one later
3: yeah so you have those two which are probably two of my favorites the um I just think it's interesting that it's, it's an otter in Ireland you don't really think of that like Klaus had said that earlier
5: yeah yeah like otter sounds like something you'd find in North America not Ireland
3: so. yeah it's like you know some of the depictions are having it as half dog half fish too but like I don't know it's pretty clear that what they're talking about what they talk about it does sound like basically a giant otter. It's fast as fuck, though.
1: Um, well, they are Gaelic. I'm sure they have a lot of variety of traditions and beliefs, and maybe... Yeah.
3: Well, that's one of those weird things where it's like, a lot of things that were like, our ancient ancient ancestors probably did live around get talked about, like Thunderbirds. You know, like, maybe it's like one of those sort of deals. Where it's just like more modern takes on Something that did actually exist in some capacity, but hasn't existed for a very long time. Um, the direwolf thing I find interesting, just because it's like, it's like you know, you know, it's possible that you could just get a freakishly large wolf. You know, that were is... they
1: like? Uh, do they transform into wolves that walk on two feet? Or, oh know, no! The direwolf like thing werewolves.
3: is separate. The direwolf dire thing is separate from. The werewolves. I was going to talk about the werewolves too, though. So there's werewolves for of, for like um, specific uh, old kingdoms that used to exist there and whatnot. And so a lot of these werewolf stories in Ireland are, you know, they're very similar to the Germanic stories. Um, it's a, it's just an Indo-European thing in general. It's not really Germanic or you know Celtic or anything. The the werewolf thing, because you know, there's the Irish. The Irish had the uh, Bionna or Fionnay, or whatever the um, their, their version of a war band essentially.
1: Well, they, I heard that Irish kings they used to like, uh, they used to ask for, they used to basically, have to do their bidding in war efforts. Yeah, that, that, that,
3: yeah, that's that's the story. That's how the stories go, and it it matches up with a lot of old traditions going back. Um, like in Gaul, they used to have um. Sort of, and I think even on the on the like the European step and like what is now Ukraine, right? Um, they used to have the youths wear wolf skins. Yeah, a lot of the times, and they didn't until they gained property. Basically, they weren't allowed to marry, at least in some some of those Indo-European cultures. So they would basically go around wearing wolf skins, being mercenaries, raiders, whatever, until they could gain enough wealth to uh, move up uh, in the world.
1: In Ukraine. Uh, they, they had slightly different stuff. They used to have this deity, Dashed Bog, who could transform into a white wolf. So white sacred mm-hmm. for them. But, yeah. yeah, but you're right. Uh, werewolves were probably all over the place.
3: Yeah, it, it's an ancient thing. Now they are very. Po- it is very popular right, in Ireland, but it also, you know, in in like a realistic sense, you know, all the actual werewolf stuff aside, it it matches up with like for a very long time, even much closer to like the modern day than a lot of other places. Ireland kinda did function like function the same way like ancient Gaul did when like Caesar invaded it, you know? Well yeah. or you did have these youth sort of war bands that would go around the country. A lot of them they called themselves fiane too, not like the mythical figures, but they would call themselves that because, like I said, it just means like war band or band of men or something something along those lines. That's Uh,
1: interesting too. See, most people think that Celtic culture, Gaelic culture is all about Ireland, but throughout the history, Celtic tribes, they spread as far as modern-day Turkey and south of Spain. Yeah.
3: Well, that's that's another thing is Ireland, you know, even for a Celtic place, it has – has more Middle Eastern influence than you would think, and
1: like Ireland does. Carthaginian,
3: yeah, Carthaginian influence than you would think, mm-hmm. and there's certain things, rituals, and stuff that are performed there that make me think that. That I'm not. I'm not going to get into them because some of that's like conjecture and more of my idea on it. But there's definitely like Ireland had a had a more pronounced tradition of human sacrifice. Let's just say, than um other places in the Celtic world.
1: Huh. Um, I did not know that.
3: Which is funny, because it's also, like, they have a surprising amount in common with Native Americans, too, with certain um, strange beliefs and whatnot. Like, Because, like, the waterhound thing we were just talking about, that otter thing, has a decent amount in common with the uh, Aztec sort of... Uh,
5: the aholau. Oh, oh, oh.
3: Yeah. Because that, that
5: translates to water dog.
3: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it also translates to water dog. <laughs> yeah, so, and there's, um, other things here, too. Like, there's this, um, I'm going to move on from the werewolves as much as I love the t- the, that subject to the, um, the Grugak, which is, like, a Irish Sasquatch-like figure. Oh, that's awesome. Is it red <laughs> Oh, you know, I don't think they, they don't, I don't think they say... Uh, it definitely is... It's, its features are more human. So it has much more... It has much more, um... <laughs> it has much more uh, human, like, facial features and whatnot. It is seems like in a lot of these depictions it's significantly shorter than, like, the American Sasquatch.
5: Well, Irish people tend to be shorter than regular English, so... That yeah, it's just,
3: it's just a hairy Irish guy. But, um... In some ways, it kind of does remind me of like there's so there's stories in the Iro- Iroquois had about like uh, stone giants in upstate New York, and what they what I think they mean by that is like literally like basically wild men who had armor of some kind, and it kind of makes me think of this where it's like because a lot of these descriptions for this figure kind of match like Neanderthal, you know. Like it's like another type of person, like in a, like you know, a, a species existing alongside man.
1: Well, I think culture talks about some form of giants. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, yeah,
3: that's also true. And I mean, I think a lot of, a lot more. I think we probably coexisted with other human-like uh, species longer than we might think. You know, and up but closer to the modern day than we might think
1: yeah I, I think so too remember them peruvian skulls they found of real tall people that had no sutures and the closest compare oh compared the star DNA? child skull
5: yeah they're, they're they, they had the mother's dna but not the father's
3: well the issue that i had with those with those uh, elongated skulls is the only other place where it's naturally occurring outside of uh it was found in bolivia the only other place it's natural it was ever naturally occurring was in uh the Indo-European population of, uh, Ukraine. Well, what is well, now? Ukraine? That, so.
1: In overall, there's, uh, there's come combination of things, uh, elongated skulls develop. one is either natural and the other one, when they tie a certain boards around the, the board.
3: Yeah. The but, board minds and like, I think the Peruvians did it also.
1: They also discovered that some of those skulls were formed naturally when they discovered an infant skull that yeah. uh, that would be too young to bore it up.
5: Yeah, so the infant skull is called the star child skull. Yes. Well, and
1: actually, a scientist
3: down in South America said that the DNA um, from the skulls found in Bolivia matched with the U- the Indo-European DNA.
1: Ukraine. i was I was about to say that i'm not sure if we're talking about the same because a lot of skulls were found the the ones that i'm referring to um were from very tall people almost giant like the skulls were huge they had no sutras and uh dna was scandinavian dna
3: yeah i was I, it's probably at the very least um they're probably similar at the very least because it's one of those things where it's so um skulls were found in south america that were elongated right and they were less elongated and they were mixed stock so there was also skulls found in south america that were clearly part well i guess indio for lack of a better term and basically european for lack of another better term indo-european whatever you want to call it proto europe not proto-european because proto-european different um so there was definitely from what I gather, it seems like there was a weird priestly cast that had cone heads, basically. You had some weird European cone head people ruling parts of Peru and Bolivia. That that was my takeaway. But that's kind of uh kind of off topic. I, I just wanted to say that I think this this description literally does match the Neanderthal. <laughs>
1: Well, thanks, Wendigo. Now I found out that I'm a descendant of Ukraine. Um. Well, <laughs>
3: the, the funny thing is, is actually, um. So another weird thing. Well, let me finish the Cohenhead thing. Another weird thing about the Cohen was, apparently, there was no de- like, it wasn't actually detrimental. Like, uh, there's a lot of like, um, ways where you're, if you're born like that, it can be a detriment. Apparently, like with these people, there was some sort of like. I don't know what they call it—water weight or what—in their upper skull that made it like non-detrimental, as far as they Mm. can tell.
1: It's like extra cerebral fluid. Um,
3: Yeah, something, something like that is is what they is what people make
1: sense. Guess that,
3: and apparently, it actually it actually worked, and they would have been of average or higher intelligence, like you know, just normal people in a lot of ways, I guess. Um,
1: except, cone heads.
3: yeah, except coneheads. <laughs> okay, and um, let's see. There was one more, and I'm hoping I, I gotta go. I gotta find it real quick because I thought this one is interesting because it was the um, uh, the monster of Cross Lake, which is Ireland's deepest lake, and so they call it Mucky, which is funny, of course, because you know they need to attract tourists somehow. But um, it's, it's a serpent-like like creature in the lake. Now, what's interesting is scientists think there is actually some sort of monster fish in that lake. Because I guess they, they picked up some sort of, um, I don't know if frequency would be the word you would use. But basically they were monitoring the lake and they picked up something large in it. So they do think that there is actually something living in that lake that is large.
5: So this is like Loch Ness Monster if you get it on Wish.com.
3: Yeah, basically. Yeah. This is the IRA's version of the Loch Ness Monster. Um, so, and unfortunately, like... The scientists don't really say much more than that. They just think it's they they assume it's a fish. That obviously they don't believe the stories about it being serpent-like. But I did think it was odd that they um actually admitted that yeah, yeah there's some big ass thing in there. <laughs> but another thing people don't realize is so a lot of these lakes do connect to the ocean, like Loch Ness. I'm pretty sure actually does connect to the ocean. I might be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it does. Hmm. The underwater cave. That's Which is oh, and you see that in a lot of places. Like um, there's a there's a huge network of underwater caves underneath all of Florida, actually. Um, but yeah, know, that's all I really had. Just because no one really went into much detail about uh, the Irish Loch Ness monster, because it's it's everything that they had basically came across as a ripoff. I just thought it was interesting that they did actually detect some sort of life in there. That was pretty massive. Uh, So I'm assuming you had stuff now, Klaus?
5: Yeah, yeah. So depending on who you ask or what you read from, the true form of the banshee tends to change. Some will tell you banshees take on the form of the spirit, and others will say it's a fairy of some sort. And so the one thing that everybody agrees on, it appears in the form of a woman, and it's one of the most terrifying creatures in Irish folklore. Yeah. And so it's believed that the scream for the banshee is an omen of death. And I said the scream where the whale is a warning that death is approaching. So some believe you hear the scream of a banshee, a member of your family will pass away shortly. And others believe that each family has its own banshee connected to their bloodlines. Now the word keening is a traditional form of expression grief for those who are dying or they're about to die. and The word keen comes from the Gaelic word keondeh, which means to cry or weep. And uh, here's where it gets crazy. So there's a practice carried out by either a number of women or that they're paid to do so. So these are like professional mourners that do this stuff. And they believe that the legend of the Banshee stems from this. However, the difference between the Banshees and the Keening Woman is the Banshee can predict death, uh, which they uh, spark fear in many people. Now, so they say, what does a Banshee sound like? And they say the banshee sound uh, is one that causes fear in Ireland and parts of the UK where the myth extends to. And the sound is like a large, like a loud wailing that can be heard for miles around. And they say that. (laughs) Oh, wow. Oh, I hope banshees
3: don't sound like that. That would disturb. That that was
5: like a moan, but uh, they say that the banshee also sings and can appear to come from a link between the banshee and the keening woman. So they say, what do they look like? And it's. well, the, the appearance is something that they debate on. So some say it looks like a short old woman with long, dirty hair. And others say it's a tall woman wearing a gray cloak with bright green dress. And another feature that they said that remains the same with both descriptions, that that her eyes are to be a roaring red because uh, she's constantly crying.
4: Sinister Charlie said it looks like a large marge.
5: <laughs> oh, that was from pee Playhouse. I remember it well, was it Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And so the description that's always terrified people is of an old hunched woman that could just appear outside your home in the darkest of night and her face veiled and her hair long and black and billowing in the wind and her clothing old and tattered. So whether she's young or old or a fairy or spirit, you know, they, they still think that she can appear in night or day and uh, it just strikes fear. if you So they, they want to know, if do you think they're real? And it says, uh, well, there's a lots of tales in Irish folklore existed the banshee in a gray area so some will swear blind that they saw the spirit of a female walking in the garden and then death followed soon after and others will say that the terrifying wailing they heard, but they couldn't find where they came from and a theory is that people mistake the scream for a rabbit or a fox for the banshee so they think that's the explanation and the other thing I, i got is called pukas and uh They were mistaken for animal due to their ability to to shapeshift, and they're feared by a human in rural Ireland. And so, uh, why rural Ireland? And it says, uh, the Pook have known to frequent quieter parts. I guess they don't like, you know, busy areas like cities and stuff. Like most cryptids try to avoid that shit. So, an Irish legend, the Pook is known only to appear at night, and it's feared by a human because it it could bring good or bad things to whoever opposed to. And it says that they're not the the type of creature that does physical harm to people, so there's no record of a puka like harming anyone in Ireland. You see the puka takes on the form of a creature that's between a mix of a dog or a rabbit or a goblin, and it's just not entirely true, even though it is a shapeshifter, because it can just change its form while while it's talking to you. And so it can take on the shape of an old man if it wanted to if it, like they thought it would benefit him, or they would change into a dog if they thought it would benefit them. So in some stories you'll hear that the creature took on the appearance of a black horse, a wild mane whose golden eyes shone brightly. In others you'll hear that when you encounter them, they look like a human with jet black hair, but the eyes of a puka. And so some people dispute its appearance of what it looks like, but one common feature is its eyes are always a bright golden eye color. And so... They want to know, like, uh, where does a puka live? And they said that according to the folklore, in the rural areas that uh, they they try to search for the creature, but they've none uh, could be found. And they believe that they live in small lakes in the mountains. So they call these lakes puka pools, which they they say that roughly translate to the demon's hole, even though they're not demonic. That's... So, they, so they've been known to interact with the human world and their actions are considered boisterous and often helpful. Kind of like they're playing with you. And so uh, they're known to enjoy an app which that's their word for chatting. And they could spend hours chatting away with unsuspecting people, taking the time to give advice or share their thoughts on your problems. And uh, they believe the idle benches that you find in towns and villages are places where you're most likely to encounter or see a puka. So they'll approach those, and then when everybody sits down, they'll just strike up a conversation with you.
4: Yeah. I've been inside some puka pools.
3: <laughs> God. Did
5: you have to go I'm to the doctor funny. afterwards.
3: I do think it's interesting that they uh, call them banshee because you have the, the like the normal she is like um, the another name for the fairy people.
5: Yeah, I didn't know how to pronounce it because it's like s i d.
3: Yeah, S-I-D-H-E It's it's just she. It's um. They do call them like um. So I have a book. Uh, I have a book called um the history of the Irish race where they talk about them being um. Basically, the descendants or spirits of the Tawatha de Danan, which is the people of Danu, which is, like, an Indo-European goddess. Actually, mostly, most uh, normally associated with Spain.
5: Yeah, because I heard, uh, like, uh, the Banshees, like, uh, compared to the
3: Morrigan, which is,
7: like,
5: another yeah. deity.
3: Yeah. yeah, and, um, I just think it's, int- it's, I think that she is, like, a, is more, is, not, is, like, kind of more broad of a term than, like, um... Than you know just what I'm describing, but usually it's it's a term used to describe like this this sort of Fey race that is um I mean I don't want to compare them to Nephilim, but like kind of Nephilim like actually if you think about it in a certain uh, sense.
4: So they just convince you to do bad things.
3: <laughs> um, they're well, they're I mean they're originally they're not necessarily they're not necessarily bad. <laughs> I would
5: it's call them neutral because they're not bad. They're not good.
3: They're one of those. It's yeah. It's another. It's like one of those sort of things where it's spirits. It's like demons in the Greek sense, where they're not. I they're
7: see. Not bad or good, I just saw
3: the of... He told me to burn things.
5: <laughs> <You> <laughs> see, yeah. that could have been a puka or a chloricon, I can't, I can't which is the, the... more malevolent version of the leprechaun.
3: Oh God! What is it called? Are they called, um I can't remember the name of the... There's the one race of people that invades Ireland in the histories that's considered evil. That That's basically them.
5: So, <laughs> so here's another one. And this is like the vampire, but they also describe it as a dwarf. So this is like... There's yeah. different stories of the Arbor Talk. And uh, each story is a little bit different, but they all follow a similar tale. So it all begins the Irish historian by the name of Patrick Weston Joyce, who was born in Ballyrogan. And uh, in the Mali Ballyhora Mountains, which straddle the borders of Limerick and Cork. So the book was penned by him in 1869 called The Origin, History of Irish Names and Places. And inside, uh, it talks about the Abertac. And the leg- the first legend says it's evil dwarf from Derry. So in the book, it tells uh, of a parish in Derry called Slaterverity. And uh, it should really be called a Lafferty. And it's a parish where there stands a monument of the Abertak, And in the book, it states that this word is another word for dwarf. So there's a place in the parish of Eregel and Derry called Slaughter Tevi, And it's thought that the latter or sepulchral monument of Abertac or the dwarf. And it explains the dwarf was a cruel creature and it possessed a powerful type of magic. And those who were terrorized by the Abertac soon had their prayers answered, which that doesn't even make sense to me.
1: And That's so they said uh,
5: a local chieftain that some believe was a legendary, Fion, Mikul, uh, come hail was, uh, killed the abertact and buried him upwards nearby. And the locals thought their luck had changed. However, the next day, the dwarf was back and he was twice as evil than he had been previously. So the chief returned and killed him a second time and proceeded That's to funny. bury him the same way before. And it was at the end, they said that he escaped from his grave and spread his terror, uh, he must be a for good, so wow, they said so... the chieftain was baffled that he had slain the Abertak twice and managed to return to Ireland again and again, deciding that he couldn't risk the dwarf returning a third time, so he consulted a druid, and the druid advised that he slay the Abertak again, but this time when it came to burying bury the creature upside down, and he said that he thought that this would quench the dwarf's magic, and this worked and it never returned again. Now, the second legend was the Abartak was a vampire, like in the modern-day sort. So they said there's a version where um, the Abartak was killed and buried, however, escapes its grave, and it finds flesh and fresh blood to drink. And in this version, the chief goes by the name of Cathayne, and he consults a Christian saint instead of a druid. And the story goes that the saint told him the only way to kill the vampire was to find a sword made from yew wood. And uh, the saint advised Kathleen that once the abbotac was killed that he need to bury him upside down and would need to find a great stone to place on it so he can't, you know, come back up for good. So he killed him with ease and after burying it, he lifted a great stone and placed it over the newly dug grave. And then there's a third legend.
3: It Reminds me of the story of Sigismund a little bit.
1: Um, it seems like the second story is... Ripple from the first one.
5: Yeah, yeah, they just Christianized <laughs> it. That's what it sounds like. And so, it's just, like,
3: so yeah, I think the old Germanic story of Sigismund dealing with I think Sigismund I'm pretty sure it was Sigismund that dealt with some evil dwarf. Or I mean, Sigurd, one of them. It's so are
5: saying that they were uh it was demanding a ball of blood, so this final legend was told by a man named Bob Curant and he was a lecturer in Celtic history and folklore at the University of Ulster. And according to Curran, the real Castle Dracula can be found in the town of Garva in Dungiven, where a small hill now stands. Which the people in the Carpathian Mountains of uh, Romania would probably disagree with this.
3: And what are you he says, say? I just saw like, a, a few small hats move in and one day, bam, we got vampires. <laughs> the next and so thing he says that, he, man, man. There's a
5: fortress oh, of a 5th hey. or 6th century chieftain with magical powers called the Arbatek that which resided. And they, uh, the story goes that the Arbortak was a great tyrant, the people living near him wanted of God, but they were scared of his magic. So uh, they coaxed another chieftain to kill him. And so this chieftain succeeded in burying the Arbortak, but he escaped his grave and demanded a bowl of blood from the local villagers. And he was killed a second time and he returned again. And it wasn't until the chieftain was advised by a druid to use a sword made from you, which that sounds like the first one. And oh. then they finally conquered him it doesn't say anything about dropping them upside down or, and then here's, like, I actually uh... find that
1: story very interesting. I mean, you live it to Irish to come up with an uh, basically a dwarven vampire. Who else would come up with one?
5: It's about about the Irish <laughs> version of the mermaid. So, so they always say the European ones are fair faced, beautiful women, but in the Irish version, it's different. So these are cold water mermaids and they call them marrows and they're pig faced with sharp teeth. So these, uh, These narrows appeared folk tales like in the 19th century, and they said they were formed when a woman was drowned in the creation of Loneg, which I don't know where that is. I'm guessing it's some type of lock.
3: Well, a lot of these are northern. Most of the the stuff we've talked about is northern Ireland, like the more hilly. And they said they
5: were said to come ashore and have relationships with men before leaving them and returning to sea. But if it's some pig face and sharp teeth... I can't imagine that being very pleasant to look at, you know. So it must be like a drunken guy that's banging on
3: Whatever at this
0: point. And so here's we another one. And I think we should.
7: <laughs>
3: I'm going to say, like, you know, Irish women, pig-faced, you know, you take what you can get. So
5: there's that's another one. This, this is about the hags <laughs> of uh, May Day near a farm village in Glenamoy in the county of Mayo. So at the May Day Hag of Mayo... Uh, experienced farmer the name of Jack Kelly was concerned as herd of cows they stopped producing milk. So the cows seemed to be healthy, as far as could tell, and uh, he called upon the local farming expert for his opinion. And they performed like a rigorous inspection of their herd, but after a few hours, they can you know they couldn't find anything wrong, even though they just wouldn't produce milk. So then. Kelly met with the neighboring farmers to find out if they had other problems, but they didn't have any. And so another farmer suggested him to travel to the nearest monastery and asked for the friar's advice because they were also exper- uh, experts in farming. So at a loss that John traveled to one of the monasteries to speak the wisest Franciscan fire he could find, and he explained to the friar that uh, the cows refused to give milk even though they were healthy and no one else had problems. So the friar thought for a minute, and ask if there was old women like uh living in neighbouring homes. So he said, Yeah, there were and one woman was known locally to have magic power. So the fire suggests to wake up early in the morning of May Day. Go to his herd, if he was were to see a hare sucking the milk from the cow to not kill it but to injure it. So John went back to his farmhouse, not sure, you know, what to think of what he was just told, but why would a hare be sucking milk from a cow? So he's never heard of such a thing. So he got up earlier than usual to check on the cows and armed with the gun. Yeah. He went to the barn and found a large hare sucking milk from one of the cows. So he shot the hare, but you know, not to injure it, you know, not to kill it. So, you know, he he wounded its leg and it limped off away from the barn. So he returned to the monastery and told the friar what happened, and he got the impression that the fire was expecting this news. So the friar then said, To return to the house of the old woman that is known for her magic. And he'll find out the truth soon enough. So the farmer went back and stopped at the house of the old woman, and she was at a sitting at the fireside with an injured leg. And it appeared to the farmer the old woman's changed into a hare to steal the milk from the cows, because she had the similar injury afflicted to the hare. And so they're saying how to protect your cows from these old hags, and they're saying that uh, the meeting with neighboring farmers told John the story of the hare and the old woman and none of them seemed surprised and it made sense to them for some strange reason and explained his run of bad luck. So they told him that, uh, he lacked protecting the herd from the Kylie uh, I guess that's their word for the hags, And he advised them how to protect his herd of cows. So he went to this pasture in May Day and they told him to decorate the cows with May Day flowers, such as buttercups, marigolds, primroses, and suggested one farmer for the local Holy well to, uh, to bless the cows of the holy water for protection, and another suggested that these customs would protect them from the hags in the area. And then I've got another one. This is the last one. This is about the, uh, the Bally, uh, where was it? The Coistra um, Bodhar, which is known as the death, uh, the death
3: carriage. I just wanted to, but, like, um, bust in here real quick, because the Irish mermaid reminds me a lot of the Inuit one. Where the Inuit uh, version of the mermaid, which name I'm not even going to try to fucking pronounce, basically is uh, it kidnaps kids and eats them. It's pretty yeah, fucked it's, up.
5: Do they come to shore to kidnap the kids, or are they just
3: yeah, like, the they kind of, the of like they kind of like come to the shore a little bit and they try to like lure kids in, sort of like sirens, and then they kidnap children, eat them. They kind of look like um, Lovecrafty well, and horrors, but like women. Okay. It's like a weird mix.
1: That sounds familiar.
3: So the yeah, fi- I... the
5: final story is the uh, the story of the death coach in Ballyduff. Uh, it's from Irish folklore about a man's frightening experiencing the Coiste Bódhár, or known as the death coach. So all over Ireland, uh, not only the dis they listen for the sounds of the banshee, but they're also look out for the Coiste Bódhár, and the Irish for the death or the silent coach. And so. Uh, they said if death is upon someone they know, or a family member, then it cannot return after it's been sent out to collect a passenger. And so if you watch, like, Darby O'Gillis and the Little People, they actually have that at the end of the movie. That's that's what you see. And so one fine summer, Michael Noonan was walking in the valley to collect a pair of shoes that he left with a copper on his way onto the towpath along the river, which is now, like, a derelict to Hanlon's mill. So to his surprise, he could hear, like, clear as a bell, The sound of huntsmen and hounds, like in full cry, even though it couldn't be true, because the the Doohallow hounds, which were formed in seventeen forty-five, are the oldest continuous hound hunts in Ireland, in those completely different area. That you know, he shouldn't be able to hear him. And then, so he heard like an indistinctable clack clack of the mill's mechanism working as it had been deserted years previously past. And so he ran as though the hounds were chasing after him all the way to Ballyduff. And then, upon reaching the cobbler's house uh, he met his old friend and neighbor darby haynes and uh, darby was a carrier by trade and uh, wishing to wait for his nephew to get to town and ask michael if his horse and cart could take him home so he was only too happy to have this assistance so he didn't have to walk you know past the, the mill when it was getting dark so the dark as it turned out was the least of his worries at night as the moon rose full and bright clearly lighting up the road so michael knew the road had a hard day's work, and so he drove slowly home, suddenly comfortably back. The seat, he watched uh, the reflection of the moon on the river letting the horse lead the way. So Michael sat up suddenly as the moon disappeared in the cloudless sky, and uh, he was wondering where the cloud came from, and what came next saw what's, what's frightening him to, to him because he saw a large black coach drawn alongside him, and the coachman and the six cold black horses were all draped in black. However... That was not the scary part because they were all headless. And so the coach quickly came abreast and passed them on the road. And uh, the coachman laying his whip soundlessly across the backs of the horses disappearing as quickly it came into view. So Michael Noonan was trembling and somehow made it home, settled to the horse in the field, and got uh, sleeplessly through the night. So the next morning, he was watching the the horse that Michael was pondering previous night events. And uh, the huntsman to Mr. Wixton of. Valley Gibbon came riding into view at a mad pace saying that they needed to fetch a midwife because uh, this, uh, his master had fallen ill and he was close to death's door and he wished to help and run and fetch uh, the Finnegan, which is the other, uh, who was the name of the midwife. So Michael went as fast as he could, but he knew it was too late because he realized that the death carriage had already claimed his lace passenger. And that's all I have for Irish folklore.
3: I was gonna say I, I usually when I hear those carriage stories, it reminds me of like the old uh, either the old plague stories and like a more specifically like Eastern European sort oh, of where they're
5: like bring out your dead kind of shit.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, like where it's just dead. like the uh, carriage sort of represents death itself. Sort of deal. So
5: uh, Van, did you have some shout outs you wanted to give out? Uh, yeah, sure. Let me see. Uh
4: Shout out to the chat, the Starving Autist, Emperor Techno, King Yeti, CK Benzo, J. Brock Contrarian, Dennis Rice, Booster Cal burn, oh. Uz, Obo Chili Recipe, E Smiley the Third, Lucas R, Orphis 1984, and then hold on a sec. I have the best chats. Uh, you caught me off guard, Klaus. God damn it. Uh, Ken of the North, he said, Where is it? Uh, why don't they accept our freedom and bombs? Ukraine, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Sinister Charlie said, Of course, Wendigo would have a book. Yeah, talk about Nephilim.
5: oh, so I'd like to give out a, a shout out to you, uh dead end old who who gave us her shout outs to our show yesterday on their show you should follow them on youtube they're a couple of drunken scotsmen that like wrestling and singing music Uh, i also like to give a shout out to JG stoner for showing uh our promotional for our show on his show every day this week and another shout out to winning tv who i believe played our uh, promo on their show today but they were like streaming the same time we were unfortunately
4: yes guys uh if you're out there uh, we love the shout outs we love the attention please whore our stream out as much as you can <laughs>
3: I notice me woo-woo. hey atomic <laughs> Shi nice. as one of my favorite names
5: it's so uh Tehan Arusky, are you on do you have a social media where you want or fans to follow you on
1: or... I'm good for now I'm moving my uh, my groups on another platform from Facebook. But I'll give a shout shout out to all the free thinkers in America and the globe. With all the stuff that's going on, these shows is where you actually get uh, some real information. Maybe,
4: maybe when we're not uh, edge lording shit larpers.
1: Lie to you,
3: I'll lie <laughs> to you. You need to believe in me because I'm correct. Wee-woo. Well, Basically.
1: if I had to choose between Windigo and CNN, I mean. Uh, I go with when to go in today. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
5: so, uh, uh, Van, where can people follow you on social media? Uh,
4: so you can follow me. Uh, the name Van Rollington. You can find me on pretty much anywhere. I I am a whore for social media. And uh, uh, yeah. I, have a, I, I do podcasts with my own puka. Salon.com freak. Uh, she, no, she's, she's getting there. She's pretty based. Yeah, but we can't underestimate how much power these f- fucking Jews have, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah. last, oh, week, shit, dude. last week we actually did a Dr. Phil episode uh, where we watched along and we plan to release that video soon. Um, Klaus and Wendigo said that it was going to be horrible, but actually we think it's it's pretty funny.
3: I know it didn't make sense, but it did to me when I was drunk.
7: <laughs> that's, and, uh, that's basically her episode. Yeah,
4: that was, that's going to be basically the whole episode is us laughing at uh, Matt Walsh's uh, own um uh, Oh, that's some, where he, the
5: guy like shaved his head to look like Phil just to
4: fuck with him? No, we okay. watched Matt Walsh and um, some uh, liberal individual who believes they are a they uh, debate on pronouns, so oh, it was actually no.
3: pretty good. Uh, so
4: check us out—it's almost a podcast, and uh, we will have that video out as soon as we can. Even though, they, and they sucked. Like, I don't understand how they don't see that they suck, that nobody gives a shit about them. Everybody wanted them to like shut the fuck oh, up.
5: She's going hard. The fuck yeah. caused that? I don't <laughs> know. That was almost a, almost a drunken rage, but uh, you yeah, can follow dude. us on social media. So, like, you can follow us, Atomic uh, Sweat, Atomic Shaman Sweat Lodge, at a motel and RV park on Twitter and Facebook and you can also find us on anchor.com that's the audio portion of our show if you want to follow me you can just look up uh, that big sip of monster that's like uh, not really tied to that that's more tied to my gaming side and other shit posting that I do online <laughs> I'm a shaman sweat
3: well, that... lodge Oi Magora
5: we'll, we'll have, No, they're, they're Scottish, they're not Irish but uh, I'm sure we yeah, could do definitely. something with that sound clip that they gave us yesterday and that was yeah. all done on Dr. Till's uh, Legion of Dude, not to be confused with the Dr. Till's Ministry of Dude Two separate and, uh, channels and you can catch me on there as a guest every now and then and I think that uh, concludes
4: it for our show all It's all, right. folks Is Luke's. anybody suicidal?
1: Yes
0: You're not suicidal.
1: Okay, good <laughs> well dallas thank you for having me
3: nice having you on like
1: always bud yeah
5: i mean we haven't had you on in a long time but it was great to have you on again
1: i appreciate it always a pleasure
5: yeah if we move the show to saturdays because of work schedules we'll let you know so we could have you on more often
1: all right well guys i'm gonna bounce